I think I'd rather die in nuclear war than go to Olympia. <laughs> Penn State was in the Atlantic Tired. Mark Whipple was a bad coach at UMass. Wired. Charlie Molnar was a bad coach at UMass. Inspired. <laughs> Kevin Morris was a bad coach at UMass. <laughs> Hey everybody, Curry Hicks Sage here. It is Monday morning, just about to head out to work, and um, I had forgotten to cut an intro on the Twitter Spaces audio show that we did on Saturday night. It's still up, but I don't really understand how the Twitter audio world works in terms of what sticks around for a while, uh, in terms of what they save. So we're making this one a pod. It's the first pod we've done in a while. It was already obviously recorded, on Twitter Spaces, which is an audio platform. Um, on Twitter, we do stuff after every game. I always joke because there are a lot of people who still don't realize that we have this whole Twitter Spaces thing going on, and that's the reason we haven't had many pods. So for those of you who are not on Twitter or not familiar with the fairly new Twitter Spaces platform, it's been around, I don't know, a year and a half or so. We've been doing it since the beginning, and it's been great definitely check it out after games but sometimes stuff gets lost on there or whatever so for as i said in the episode for posterity's sake i wanted to make sure we got this one up because i think we touched on a lot of important things people jump in at various points it's kind of a live call-in style show so there will be people on i'm trying to think i can't even remember exactly who who came in and talked on that one but definitely some fixtures of of pod world for sure Quick couple things. First of all, the show is brought to you by the fine folks at Five College Movers, world-class, stress-free moving in the Pioneer Valley and beyond. If you're going anywhere, go with Five College. They now have offices in Saratoga, New York. So wherever you are, kind of in the Northeast, they'll find you um, and definitely tell them we sent you. Pat and the gang do a wonderful job supporting this program. And most significantly, these days, they are leading the charge on the Mass Collective, the name, image, and likeness organization that provides um, financial compensation to student-athletes, and you should join. You should be a member if you aren't already. I am. You can join for as little as $5 a month. Um, if you can give more, give more. That's going to be the key to the future in terms of long-term competitiveness for this program. And we, we'll get into that on this episode, I think. There's some sort of traffic jam out here, so my apologies about the background noise. Um, and definitely, you know, support the uh, Name, Image, and Likeness Collective for sure. I just want to give a couple show notes because it's been, you know, 36 hours or whatever since we actually recorded it. And I think, you know, I've obviously been thinking more on this. I think that just for those, you know, who may listen to this months from now or whenever you come across it, it's January 22. Third, so it was recorded January 21st, and much of it was a response to Frank Martin's comments about um, the fan base, actually, or fans in general online who say things that he does does not like. And it was very contentious. For it's been very contentious, you know, really for the last 36 hours. There were a lot of people, I think, especially before this episode, who were, I mean, there were definitely people who, before I recorded the episode, were kind of hitting me up, urging me to, you know, bury him, if you will. Not many, but there were definitely people online, you know, who were sort of saying, like, 
this is a step too far. He's threatening fans, etc., etc. Um, I didn't do that. I don't plan to do that anytime soon. Uh, I think that it's heat of the moment. It is um, not a great look, but I think that you know there's too much good that's being assembled here for us to just dispose of it now. I do think Frank should probably take Twitter off his phone. And I do think that um, these these mediums, these tools can be uh, dangerous. You know, not that he tweeted this, but just that it led to his frustration or other or other social outlets. And I think, look, um, you know, I'll, I'll get into almost all of it in the episode. So I'm just trying to think of anything I didn't cover as I bang out an intro here while changing for work and my brain is not fully on point. But I think it is. Um, it's a good episode, so whatever I'm saying now, just ignore because I swear it's actually a pretty good episode. Um, I, I just think, like, there's, if you grew up online and you're a certain age, you know, some of the stuff that I think Frank might deem crossing the line is is probably not what we would see crossing the line. And I have tried and, and will continue to try to make my frustrations uh, during games, as fans tend to, you know, have feel because they're fans. But I'll try to direct those frustrations as much as possible, I mean, almost entirely, I hope, at Frank himself, which puts a big target on his back, but he sort of said he's, he can handle it, and I am heeding that advice. Um, but the truth is, like, I actually haven't had, you know, I think there's a moment of perspective here. Like, my frustrations with Frank have been fairly confined to certain substitution patterns and the like. Um, I, I think he's built a really nice roster. There's some things I get angry about, but like I, we, we've got a lot of good here, and I still think this team this year is um, poised to make a run. Uh, and I, I really am not overly concerned about the, the disappointing start to Atlantic 10 play. Noah's injury and other factors have contributed to that. Certainly, I think Frank's subbing at times has contributed to it as well. Um, but I, I still think there's a lot there to like about this team. And I think anyone who knows me knows I'm just really supportive of the players as much as possible. And look, if, if it is in a game and I get frustrated about a player missing a shot, like I always say, like that's not personal, you know? Just I miss tweets, kids miss shots, you can say it, I can say it. I think that's eternally fair. When you cross the line and make personal attacks on kids, that's fucked up. I haven't seen a ton of that. I've seen some you know, I started looking back because I was thinking, you know, maybe I'm missing stuff here. And I searched certain kids' names and whatnot. And there's some things that I certainly wouldn't tweet. Um, I'm not the tweet police. And I would occur, encourage anybody to just use your best judgment. Um, you, But I think saying a kid shouldn't be getting playing time, it's probably not what I would tweet out. But, like, I don't think it's beyond the pale We've seen over the years people say, like, really nasty things about kids' weight or kids, you know, I mean, just, like, fucked up shit. Um, that, that, don't do that shit. Just don't fucking do it. Anyway, I get into all this on the episode. Two huge games this week against Duquesne and, uh, excuse me, against Richmond and then Duquesne, both of which are kind of toward the top of the A-10. I mean, the A-10 has now reached the place where it's basically VCU, um, 
St. Louis and kind of Dayton as your third, which is sort of always what we expected. And then everything else is a mess. But Richmond and Duquesne are both in that next tier of teams that could vie for a double bye. I don't think either is terribly good. Burton is really a nice player on Richmond, and that will not be an easy game, but they're both home games. And they are the sorts of games I think UMass should win, is talented enough to win. Then again, I think they're both superior teams to LaSalle and, um, and St. Joe's, both of whom we lost to. Of course, one was on the road without Noah, so that has to be you know a bit of an asterisk. But these are not going to be easy games, but they're very winnable games. And I think they are really the turning point games to see if this skid we're on is going to come to an end or if we are just, in fact, sort of uh, a bottom five, bottom six Atlantic 10 team the rest of the way. Not to say you have to win them both, but I think um, if they were bad losses, that would be very concerning. Don't want to get too much into this, this week's games. We'll talk about them on Spaces and elsewhere. Just wanted to introduce this again and give another plug to the fine folks at Five College Movers and the Mass Collective Name, Image, and Likeness group. Uh, make sure you join if you haven't already. Um, and enjoy the show. Bennett, take it from here. See, it's time to pay dues, deliver the news. Like you, Mass, we refuse to lose. Rhymes and booze, the life we choose. Fight with the mic till our tongue gets I am attempting to record this. Um, I've asked a couple of other people to record it as well um, for posterity's sake. And for ultimately for dissemination on uh, podca- on Apple, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. So for that reason, we'll say that this one is indeed sponsored by the fine folks at Five College Movers, world-class, stress-free, moving in the Pioneer Valley and beyond. Call Pat and the gang. Tell them we sent you tremendous friends at UMass Basketball, UMass Athletics, and the UMass Basketball Podcast slash Spaces uh, show. I want to... And also, they've been doing tremendous work with the Mass Collective. If you haven't joined the NIL Collective, uh, you definitely should. UMass lost today. They lost the disappointing game on the road. Uh, candidly, after the game, I said, I just feel sad. Um, I didn't really feel terribly angry today. I thought that, you know, we just didn't make enough basketball plays. We were without Noah Fernandez. It's the it's a road game. St. Joe's kind of shot the shit out of the ball. Their two studs, who I sort of said were going to be good, played really well. Shit happens. Um, that is what it is. It was disappointing. I thought Frank did some good things today, especially with his lineup, his move to uh, starting a different group in the second half and then sticking with them after kind of a minute and change of some bumpy sledding there. They, they stuck with it. They played together until, I don't know, probably the 15 or 14 minute mark looked really, really good. There was a lineup change that a lot of people took issue with. I did think that was a turning point in the game. Um, I was frustrated with Frank's decision to make it, but I don't think that that was um, completely determinative of the outcome. I thought it was, it was a notable point in the basketball game and it was disappointing and I disagreed with the subs. But truth be told, he, he after about three minutes of that, he subbed a couple of those guys out, and the lead was actually extended for a bit. So it's not fully on that group of five. Um, 
though disappointing uh, and though I disagreed with that substitution call, you know, shit happens. And there, UMass had other chances. They missed a tremendous amount of open, you know, pretty decent looks from three. Um, and, you know, St. Joe's ultimately played a better basketball game. I thought we were the superior team, and it is what it is at the end of the game. And, and as, as far as the season goes, I thought, you know, uh, given Noah's absence and and given our, you know, struggles from, from, from shooting the basketball and the, and the lack of a, you know, like a, a senior point guard, our performance was, you know, it wasn't the worst performance of the season. It wasn't the best. Uh, thought we could have won the game. Thought we were in a spot at certain points to, to take it over. It didn't happen, and, and life moves on. Uh, I said I was sad after the game. That's how I felt. I just felt a little like empty inside, as, as sometimes is the case when you're when you're going through it here in the in the college in the in the throes of conference play. You know, I went out, hung out with my kids all afternoon. It was awesome. We <laughs> played tag. We uh, we we got on our scooters. My three year old just wanted to walk up and down the stairs of my building and go in our elevator because we're on the first floor. Uh, and um, you know, life moves on. At about 6.45 tonight, um, I was watching um, I was watching Rookie of the Year with my six-year-old. It's the second night that we've been watching. We kind of were chunking it. Classic. Uh, he sort of gets it. Sort of doesn't, but it's a, it's a classic early 90s flick if you haven't seen it. And I saw, I was kind of checking down on my phone as I tend to do, as you can imagine. And I saw, and I kind of just fully moved on from the game. I was going to do the standard post-game space this night and sort of say more, more or less of what I just did. Didn't really, actually genuinely didn't feel like doing some of my existential shtick that I sometimes get into. I didn't feel as angry as I did after the VCU game. Um, you know, I still think this team is pretty good. I still think they're going to come out of this. And as anyone who's listened to me at length knows, like, I, I really don't ever take on kids uh, it's not my thing. I mean, I, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm, we're all flawed. I, I get frustrated, bonehead plays here and there. But I, I've gone to great lengths this year, in particular, uh, particularly in light of Frank's kind of admonition of fans earlier in the year to take it easy on kids. I think I've tried to make a point at tremendous length, you know, with caveat after caveat on pretty much every spaces that any and all of my issues with this basketball team are fully. Uh, a function of my frustration with with his decisions and no one else's, and that's in part because he's made it very clear that you can take it. You know, the, the, the sort of posture he wants the fan base to take is to take issue with him and not with the players. And so I've tried to, you know, dance that line as best I can, um, probably failing at times, but I think I've made a good faith effort. And I think anybody who's ever listened to me knows precisely that. So as this is happening, um, Joey Alberti, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing his name correctly, a, a student reporter at the Daily Collegian, drops a thread. It sounded like some of the thread came at a recent, at a recent practice, some of it came after today's post-game, and during the post-game today. I apologize if I have, the, uh, if I have that materially wrong at all. Um, but a series of comments from Coach Martin, um, in which he, I think it's, I'm trying to be very careful with my language, mindful of this strange position I find myself in as like a weird uh, internet authority figure of some sort on a mid middling college basketball team, so I'm trying to be really careful. 
especially in light of the comments, but I think it's safe to say he pretty much lambasted factions of the fan base uh, for his for what he perceives as excessive negativity. And pardon all the fucking legalese here in my language, but I really am trying to be as precise as possible. Um, I'm just really trying to like get it as best I can here. I, I take this stuff seriously, contrary to my shit posting orientation on the internet. I mean, I don't take a lot of it seriously, but this stuff, this the stuff today I did. So Frank um, lambasted the fans or a, a subset of them, noting that um, he had already taken issue with some fan, had had already let some fans know personally, you know, his displeasure with them, and that he planned to have discussions with more of them. Face to face, I, I forget the exact language. Somebody can come in here afterwards. Uh, you know, man to man at the end of the season, there's going to be some conversations or something. Um, a number of people naturally sent that to me, uh, assuming it was me and others. I, I don't know who he's talking about precisely. Um, I can tell you, and this is not something I've shared on the program before because I really didn't want to and never wanted to make it about me. Like anyone who knows me knows that. I just love talking about UMass basketball. It's something I've loved since I was seven years old. I, I started tweeting about it. I didn't ever know what kind of audience I would get. It took off a little bit, and I kept talking about it. Um, it was never about anything more than that. Um, and, you know, it's just about spreading spreading the love of the program, hoping to find more people to connect to online, and we, we built, I think, a really fun thing. Um, I will tell you this, that after the Murray State game, um, Frank uh, did text me, I've, I've not shared this publicly before, and I don't want it to be overstated, but he did text me, um, uh, eviscerating me, essentially. I, I don't want to get into the contents of the conversation, but uh, he made a point. I had, just for the, for the record, um, this was during the Murray State game, I think was the first time where I publicly tweeted anything about my frustration with uh, one of the players and their playing time. And I did not mention who in that tweet, I, which has since been deleted. Um, I said something to the effect of, we're going to have to have, and I'm paraphrasing, we're going to have to have a long and rather uncomfortable conversation about one of the starters. Something to that effect. Got a lot of likes. A number of other people probably agreed and commented on it and said what they said. Uh, the team went on to win the basketball game on the Noah Fernandez 3 and um, and at the buzzer, and I thought all was well, but about two and a half hours after the game, I received uh, these texts, you know, sort of eviscerating me, and then uh, I apologized profusely for saying anything about his kid, um, which I hadn't in, in by name, for what it's worth. Uh, I deleted the tweet, explained that, said, and, and essentially went on and sent a incredibly long <laughs> and robust response explaining precisely my orientation toward this team. Not even fully expecting him to read it, but wanting it to be very clear where I stand because I'm aware that people follow this account, listen to these shows, listen to the podcasts, have supported me in a lot of things I've done. I've made great friendships with a lot of people on UMass Twitter over the years, and I've, I've come to realize that, yeah, like in a, in a local media market that frankly is not robust like it once was, these shows serve as an outlet and a gathering place for UMass fans to get, to get together. So I, I recognize I had to be thoughtful in how I responded. 
I remain to this day proud of what I responded and would, would may at some point share the basic contents of it, but I don't want to get into the nature of a, of a text exchange. I don't think that's right, and I would have never mentioned that we had a text exchange until I saw the text or the tweet tonight from him saying that you know he'd already talked to some people and he was going to have some I forget the exact language that he was going to have some hold on that he was going to have some harsh words or whatever it is for others later in the year man to man or something like that whether that was me or whether he'd already taken care of me in those texts I don't know um, but at that time I responded essentially as follows and I said and he said in that text message Things I've heard him subsequently say in press conferences, almost verbatim. You're not in practice. You don't, you know, you don't know what that's like. Blah blah blah. And I explained, as I would explain to all of you right now, that I have no interest in being in practice. Um, I have no interest in access to this program, other than rooting for it. Yes, I've sort of expanded the fucking Sage brand or whatever into the world of coaching searches, and I do find this stuff really interesting. But I've never, anyone who ever knows what I'm about, like, has never known me to seek access. Yeah, if you tell me things and you want to do it confidentially, I'm always going to respect that. Um, I've kept an open line with plenty of people around the program before, but after that exchange, you know, a lot of wells dried up, and life moved on. I kept tweeting. Didn't really matter. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I get so much more joy and satisfaction out of connecting to other UMass fans and meeting people at games than I do about, you know, finding out, you know, the injury report 30 seconds before a game and, or whatever. Like, it just never did it for me, and it, I don't think it will moving forward. It's, of course, like, you know, Walt Bell once sent me merch. That was cool. You know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm a human being. Like, I can be, you know, but all I've ever said, and all I said to Frank when he went on my podcast and what I said in a response to that text when I was excoriated was, first and foremost, I am sorry about referencing your kid, that's wrong. It's not, it's not meant to be personal. There will be times when I err, but I do not have any intention ever of making it about um, the student-athletes. Um, you know, in-game or in a post-game spaces, I may pop off a little and express a frustration for a moment, but anyone who listens to these shows, I think any reasonable listener to these, to these shows, absolutely knows that my credibility on in terms of my passion for the program and my respect for the, for the kids who play for the team, could not be more, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's un, unassailable. There's plenty of things in my life that, that I, I do that are flawed and that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a shithead or impert, you know, everybody has their, their problems in life. But when it comes to the nature of this program and my support for it and um, passion for it and amount of time, money, energy, and sort of organizational uh, juice that I've put into it, I can say without question that is unimpeachable. You can, you will not get me on that. Now you can absolutely say that my version of fandom, the way I conceive of how I root for teams, this one of course being the primary one, at times is critical. That is a hundred percent true. And you can make a very fair argument that maybe at times, given the nature of social media in the modern age and kids looking at this stuff and not knowing necessarily, or recruits and not necessarily knowing precisely what is a joke and what's not and what's my temperament and, you know, 
you know, what's the tone? You can say that the kind of shit posting style that I and many, many others on, across the internet marshal each and every day on this fucking platform, you can say that that is insufficiently loyal in how you conceive of fandom. You can say that that is not helpful at times. Um, that's fair. I'll, you know, we all have different versions of it. And while I never have sought to, like, create drama out of thin air or just, you know, make it about me, I, I do say what I think. And I do that as best as possible, I think almost with a pretty A-plus batting average of not making it about the kids. And this year, in light of Frank kind of admonishing fans early in the season not to make it about the kids, because what he said today was essentially a a more forceful doubling down on what we've heard from him in prior conversations. But in saying that, I in, 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 in articulating that, um, I think it's pretty clear I have never gone, I've, I've almost never crossed that line. And when I did, I apologized in that text at tremendous length. But I also, importantly, in that text, responded by saying, essentially, I'm not going anywhere. All I want is for you to win. I will continue to try to bring in more donors for NIL, trying to leverage whatever connections to rich people I know in New York who have no connection to New York, to New UMass basketball to ask for their support. I will continue to root like hell, and I will continue, importantly, to call things as I see it. And then I also said, and the truth is, I have no issue with any of the student-athletes on your basketball team. I have an issue with you and some of the substitutions you've been making. I, I don't know if I, I, I could go back and find it, but because, I, I, you know, basically that. And anyone who's listened to me, I, I have used those remarks, which I've not shared with anyone until now, and a couple friends here and there. I have used those remarks to guide my own uh, analysis and fandom of this, this team. And it's almost funny that my tone right now is so serious, and it sounds like I'm, you know, a mixture between, like, a great litigator, probably not that great, and, you know, like, some super serious sports commentator, which is really, if anyone knows me and what I tweet about, is not my default. I really don't, don't have any interest in that. And at... 362 other programs around the country, it seems as if their fans who say far, you know, harsher things than I think we do, don't get met with the same vitriol from their head coach. Now, I think at this point, probably some of you would like me to pile on and to, to basically say, yeah, fuck this, this guy's unhinged, etc., etc., I'm not going to do it. I don't feel it. And I think in this instance, while, while he is not necessarily just speaking directly to me, I'm not, I'm not so narcissistic as to believe that that whole thing was directed at me, but I'm aware that some of the vitriol comes in my mentions. Um, and I'm aware that when it comes to Twitter and social media, which he's alluded to, a lot of times when people make observations about players or, or him or whatever, they do tag me. So I'm, I'm mindful of where I sit in this ecosystem. I don't, I often wish it wasn't the case, but it, I, you know, it is what it is. I am first and foremost a rabid UMass basketball fan. 
you can, and I have about myself, interrogated why, why I put so much into this thing. It defies logic, it defies reason, but it is a source of joy in my life and a source of, um, you know, especially in the pandemic when it was harder to go out and I have a kid who's got some respiratory stuff, so I'm not going out as much. Like, it became a way to connect with people, and this platform in particular took off a little, and it became a lot of fun. And that's all I ever kind of wanted it to be. And we sold out a game at Harvard, and it's just been a source of enjoyment. That's what it's about. And first and foremost, I really want the team that I grew up seeing as a, you know, informative years of 8, 9, and 10 being the number one team in the country. I really, unironically, earnestly, passionately, just desperately want to see them be good again. To be really, really good again. And so, anything that gets in the way of that is a distraction and is counterproductive. But I don't think criticism along the way by passionate fans who remain engaged in a program that has been kind of in the dumps for a long time, but that has a, a, a lingering core of very passionate people, some of whom, many of whom I've happily given an outlet to, to speak on this about. I don't think their passion, for the most part, with select exceptions that I always condemn, I don't think their passion is at all the problem. Now, I also can understand that a head coach who prides himself on a very sort of certain type of loyalty to his players can feel or see this kind of feedback, forget that this is commonplace around the sports world, and feel angry and enraged and, and protective of his guys. That's an eternally reasonable feeling for a coach to have. And so I don't want to spend tonight piling on on Frank and speculating about where he's at in his career and has social media, you know, is, is the social media era not for him? Because... Quite frankly, for one thing, I think that's too easy a narrative. It's, I've never been about the easy narrative. If I was, I would have pursued other things than fucking talking about a mid-major college basketball team all the time. It just doesn't do it for me. And I also think the very simplistic, Frank's old school, it's a new day, all of that just allows for people to see these things in a very simplistic, reductive way without actually looking at how people's beliefs, feelings, worldview, all of that is impacted based on the feedback loops that we're all living in. And though offended I would be that I would be at all associated with any of that because I take great pains to try to be at least where possible, you know, subtle and not like, you know, attacking kids and all that. I recognize that, you know, I'm I'm I, I inhabit this ecosystem as a fan. I get it. And I um you know I'm I'm in this world now. I, I, whatever, it is what it is. But I don't want to make it out. So, so I want to say this. Frank, throughout this season, has made it a point, and I think he's done this at other stops, but, it, but we, you know, we weren't there, so we don't know all the subtlety. Frank has made it a point in numerous media appearances, particularly his 
prominent national media appearances that occurred at the end of December on the Jim Rome Show and in a Matt Norlander CBS Sports article, respectively. He's made it a point to talk about the things that coaches go through, to talk about the challenges that, you know, this profession puts on families. He has been in a, at, at, from, at much of the time, in a reflective kind of pensive state about not really always UMass basketball, but about the coaching world and 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 the nature of, of his place in it, perhaps even his legacy in it, and wanting to think about that beyond just wins and losses. And fans, myself included, are in this for the fleeting joy of great wins. And any fan who says they're not, I don't really know what kind of fan that is. You can say that's superficial. You can say that, you know, there's more to life than that. But in terms of the time commitment that fans make, particularly to programs that are, you know, not exactly of national prominence and haven't been for some time, it's about connecting with other people who you get to know, people who sit next to you at season ticket events, you know, with season tickets, people that you connect with on the internet and have shared interests with, and feeling occasionally the great joy that comes from a, a really nice win. And those two visions of things, the, the, the fan intensity and the coach looking out for, um, you know, thinking about the bigger picture at times, are intention whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And some coaches actually quite like it. They, they kind of like are fueled by, you know, fan intensity one way or the other. Some hate it. Most, I would, I would gather, uh, see it as kind of a, as a necessary evil. They, they acknowledge it begrudgingly because, let's be honest, in the absence of fan passion and fans spending a tremendous amount of money and time to see these teams, they're not making $1.7 million, right? If you go to Amherst College or Williams College or any number of places around the country, there's tremendously competitive basketball played at those levels where the coaches are making, if they're lucky after a long time, just into six figures. People still care about those programs. The basketball is quality. And anyone who sort of is too maniacal fandom-wise on that front is sort of like laughed out of the room because it's like, guys, it's like being played in front of 600 people or whatever. Although there are rapid D3 fans, it should be noted, with season tickets and the like in the Midwest in particular. That is, for better or worse, not the world we are inhabiting as fans of a, of a team that, you know, is sort of fringe top 100 in a normal year. You know, it's, there's a season ticket base. There's... You know, it's not North Carolina, but it's <clears throat> decidedly not Central Connecticut or something, right? Much less, you know, a D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, whatever program. And I'm not here to really defend the merits of, like, fandom. It can be a pretty peculiar, weird fucking thing. And the people who are especially unsophisticated in that world are some of the shittiest people on planet Earth. Let's just come out and say it. The worst kind of sports fan that we all see periodically in our mentions or whatever, 
they fucking suck. Like, nobody likes them. Nobody wants, like, nobody, no thoughtful person wants to engage with them. It's not interesting. And everything I've ever done in terms of the fandom game has been, in many ways, a concrete attempt to, like, not be that. And I won't apologize for what I do on the internet. It's a fun thing that I don't get paid, well, sometimes five college, you know, five college helps, but, but I'm not doing it to get rich. I have a nice life. I have a good job. I have a wonderful family. Most, many of you probably know, already know who I am, and if you want to know, just fucking DM me. It's just, at one point I had a job where I didn't want to get into that. And I do it, you know, off hours. I do it when I'm taking a shit at work. I, it, it's just a fun space when you're commuting to work. When you, it's, it's a hobby. It is a impassion, is a passionate hobby. That at times has gotten the best of me, and I regret those times, and I sort of feel a little bit, oh, I can't believe I got that hardcore. And yet, it's never with malice toward student-athletes. You know, there's been kids over the years who pissed me off, and I mentioned their name or whatever. You know, like, it's not my best moment, sure, right? But for the highest-paid state employee to insinuate, according to some, if you, if you want to read it this way, that he would fight fans who harbor that kind of passion, and I'm not saying me, but whomever, many of whom I know, and most of whom have been eternally reasonable, just passionate, angry at times, that's not cool, it's not okay. But it doesn't mean it's an irrational impulse by Frank. And as someone who first and foremost wants to see us get some wins and believes that this particular team is very capable of getting wins. I want Frank to get it right. I really do. And I, in an attempt to be my best self, I want to say, Frank, I got your back. We're just passionate. I want you to win. When people go overboard and ding a kid for something, I'm usually like, yo, that's too far. Chill, man. We're here to support you. Not every person who has a frustration can talk face-to-face to you. And after I sent that apology and explanation of where I stand in this, I was blocked on Twitter, and I didn't have an opportunity to engage with you. I'm happy to. But I'm not going to stop expressing my feelings about the team. Now, you can make an argument about how that's counterproductive for the program, that it's a loser mentality, whatever you want. That's fair. Um, You know, that it hurts with players. I get all that. But if you look through my tweets and most most of the core UMass Twitter people's tweets, overwhelmingly they support kids. They say lovely things about kids. I want you to get it right. I am not here to explode this and make it more of a thing. You know, I also understand that when you're getting interviewed, you can... Sometimes I don't hear the words, right? I didn't know the context. Maybe you, 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 know, you didn't mean exactly that. Maybe it's being misinterpreted. Maybe it's being blown out of proportion. Maybe your own attempt to kind of convey to the world your frustrations with the social media age and the, you know, impulsive nature of fandom, maybe your attempts to to speak about that were um, 
were a little bit, you know, not nuanced. They just kind of came out and now they're being interpreted a certain way and it is what it is. I want to give you as much benefit of the doubt as possible because I want you to be successful here. I want the joy of wins. That's what this is about for me. And I think everyone else, not everyone else, there's always assholes, but don't let, you know, somebody who's said some fucked up shit or whatever about your kid or whatever, that that's, that's, you know, that's a tiny minority of this fan base. And frankly, of most rabid fan bases, there's always going to be some shitheads, you know, and most of the time we try to condemn them and we'll continue to. But don't let that get in the way of recognizing the real passion that a lot of people who've suffered through a lot of losing years still have for you, for this program, and for you in, its, in the role of the leader of that program. I am 100% in your corner with respect to getting this program where it needs to be. At times, I feel like commenting on it in real time is my way of getting through it in real time. Is it always the most productive? I don't know, maybe not. I do think that continuing to talk about it, continuing to be passionate about it, continuing to be engaged around this, this thing we all care about is an important part of the process. And teaching kids the difference between rabid supporters who sometimes err and assholes on the internet who lost a bet, teaching them those differences is a part of your job. And conflating those Conflating the worst of the internet with the most rabid of the fan base isn't fair. But I I recognize that we all fucking pop off at the at, you know sometimes and get frustrated and vent. And I don't want you to be anything other than successful. So I'm not here tonight to pile on. And I see a lot of many of my friends, people I've become friends with in real life, who are just saying like this is a step too far. It's too. And I don't know, maybe they're right, but I'm not ready to go there. I understand, despite all my frustrations about substitution patterns, that there are challenges built in in terms of flipping a program, in terms of rebuilding a culture. I, I think the timeline for doing that is has narrowed and that we are in a, in a different era now. And so I think that normally anyone who's followed me over the years knows that in year one of a coach, I, I actually am pretty tame because back then... You know, you had uh, you had um, you know you had red shirts who would come in, or you'd have you'd have transfers come in and sit out, so you'd lose three or four scholarships right away, and so it was a different model. So I have concerns, whatever it is, what it is, but I really like this team. I've always said that. I've always, I really genuinely like the roster he's assembled. I think they can be successful, and I don't have any interest in exacerbating this tension or this 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 narrative or this drama. I want to be just very clear. You can come on here tonight. I would love to have this conversation in a thoughtful, measured way. And you came on my podcast. You graciously gave two hours of your time. I didn't even see the text you'd sent saying wrap it up at about the hour and a half mark until the 2.10 two mark or whatever. And I apologize once again, by the way. You were gracious in doing that. It wasn't easy initially. I think there were some doubts from the athletic department about my, my motives. But I think anyone who listens knows that, like, I just want you guys to be good. And the outsized, you know, 
role or whatever that this show or this tweet or whatever has taken on, it's not something I feel terribly comfortable with. I mean, yeah, like, I have it in me as a shit poster to sort of enjoy the dopamine hit I get from a nice bunch of retweets or likes. I'm only human. But really, like, I, I didn't ever, like, have the intention of making this anything more than a vehicle for people who share a passion for a team to get together and have fun and, and create some fun content. That's what it's been about. That's what it will continue to be about. And the coach of the program, who is the leader of the program, I just want to see succeed. The rest is like, you know, there's nothing unique to this. You know, I think we have a good show. I think we got a good fan base. I think we have a lot of fun people online. But even then, we are still a minority of our own fan base, right? I mean, a lot of UMass casual fans probably don't even know this exists. So don't let that be such an impediment to, to your own six, team's success. Come on, talk. We'll have it out. We'll have, you're a real dude. You know, I mean, you pride yourself on authenticity, and you've been that way. When you came on, it was great. I said on when you came on, I'm going to be... I try my hardest. Listen to the end of that episode. I, I talked specifically about how I will, you know, lose my shit in the game. I forget exactly what I said, but it's all about passion. It's all about love, whatever. And I think where it becomes challenging sometimes is that, you know, after we sold out the Harvard game and this, the, the allotment of tickets we got really quickly and took over that gym before the game even started, months before, Frank actually, incredibly nice gesture, hit me with a text and was like, you know, can't thank you enough, like, I want to do something for the game, should we do t-shirts, should we meet, like, super cool, and I literally, and I shared this story before, I think I shared it with him when he was on the pod, I, I literally said, I was like, nah, man, just a win, and I know that that might sound a little like, whoa, like, hard of Curry and Sage, you know, but, like, that's what it's about, man, and I don't, I don't know that that's fair or reasonable, but all the criticism and all the praise is all in service of a desire to win. And, yeah, there's something crazy about that. Fan is short for fanatic. No one is suggesting this is like, you know, a bunch of fucking logicians or like, you know, scientists. Like, this is, this is a vehicle to, like, feel shit. You know what I mean? That's where fans are coming from. And I know you're feeling shit, too, because you're letting us know. And I think that's great. Let's all be passionate. Let's all be engaged. Come on. We'll have it out. And it's love, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be anything more than a passionate fan and real-time commentator on what I'm seeing. And what I will say is that sometimes I'm seeing things I don't particularly like. And I know then I don't have the full picture. You, you've already told me I'm not going to get it. So, you know, sometimes it would help, you know, just to let me know behind the scenes. I've had other staffs do that, and I kind of contextualize things where possible. You know, you don't want to do it? That's cool. I get it. But to me, loyalty, which I know you value, truly, anyone on here who knows me, anyone on here, and the many of you do know me personally at this point, knows that anything you've ever asked of me confidentially or told me confidentially, I have never shared, embarrassed you, shamed, nothing. And anyone out here knows that I also will disagree with you. And that it is never personal, 
if you know, provided we have a relationship, right? No, no one's perfect, like, but that's what I aspire to, to fucking just be real, to have honest conversations, to not make it about, you know, it's not about, like, you know, who had the better take. I'm not trying to do fucking Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bailey. If I wanted to do that, I would do that. Like, no one is, like, no one is doing UMass basketball post-game spaces and, you know, getting obsessed with coaching searches because of the glory, you know, and the fucking inherent mass audience that's going to follow it. Like, that's not what it's about. I don't do that. But loyalty to me does not mean that disagreements won't be publicly aired. Now, if I had a better working relationship with you, yeah, I'd probably be a little more chill about it. But the first time I said something, that reference... You know, your your son, which I deleted and apologized about, you know, you cut me off. And so it's hard for me to sometimes know exactly how to navigate that. By the same token, I don't want that to be the status quo. I just want to have a working relationship with anybody who cares about rooting for at the UMass basketball or, in, or ensuring its success. And the head coach has a whole lot more of it than anybody else. And so if there's any way in which... I or any other fan can be of help. Like, the first, the default posture should not be, you said something, you're dead to me. Now, I get it. Some people see the world through that lens. I get it. That's life. I get it. But it's not how life should work, in my opinion. And especially in a business where you're making a lot of money on the taxpayer dime, you got to put up with a little bit of it. And I just want to, like, contextualize it. I want to help. And I think everybody else does. We just want you to win. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be vitriol at times. And anybody who has criticized his son by name at length in a personal manner, fuck off. It's a bad fucking look. Fuck off. But... Most people, at least the ones I see, and I think I see a lot of this, have expressed their frustration about his play in the context of, Frank, maybe you should limit his, these minutes. Now, it's a really hard thing, right, to not make it a kid's playing time about, you know, the kid to, to any extent, right? You have to, like, allude to who you're saying should come out of the game, but saying a kid should come out of the game um, is not taking shots at the young man. And for those who are taking personal shots at the young man, just don't fucking do it. By all measures, everything we've heard is that he's a lovely kid. And he's even had some really nice moments on the court this year. I think there are better players on this team. And that's okay to acknowledge. This is Division I basketball. You're getting full scholarships. You're making almost two million bucks a year. There's NIL money now. It's okay to say, and, and part of real world stuff, and you know that Frank professes he wants to share with kids, is about being real. It's about saying, yeah, wasn't your day. Somebody's better than you right now. That's that's a part of it, man. And some of it is about hearing it from outsiders who watch your game and comment. That's part of it. Personalized shit is ridiculous. Don't do it. But, you know, to some extent, 
if you have a comment, it's and it's about a player who shouldn't be in. It's kind of not. It's not avoidable, and it's not disloyal to express disagreement with the way the coach is doing things, particularly when he has said, "Make it about me, not my kids." That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to internalize your uh, your advice while still rooting hardcore for your team, while still having season tickets despite living 170-odd miles away, making sure that someone is in my seats for every single game. If it's a Tuesday against fucking Central Connecticut, someone is there. Trying to get new people to, to, to give to our NIL collective. Trying to... You know, bring content so that people are aware there's people out there talking about this, caring about this, engaged in this. And I'm not going to stop doing that because my love of UMass basketball, however illogical and irrational as someone who didn't even attend the school, transcends any one coach or administrator or, you know, it's not about that. And I know there's a lot of people around the game who covet access, and I do to an extent with other programs, people I've gotten to know over the years, like I like having a little juice and knowing people at other programs and knowing things here and people in my DM. Like, I, I, I enjoy that. I, I would lie if I said otherwise. But, you, you know, I've said it a number of times, but as Buddy Garrity on Friday Night Lights once said, you can't fake boosterism. It comes from the heart. And I can't fake this shit. So I'm just going to keep doing it. I hope other people see things similarly. I'm rooting for you hard, Frank. I would love for you to come on. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to take this as an instance of, you know, you popped off a little in a presser. Maybe your words weren't terribly well chosen. Open invite to come on and talk it, have it out. But, and, and I would tell other people, don't ever say mean shit about kids. Don't do that. And if I do it, hit me on it. But it's okay to say, you know, this lineup didn't work. And, you know, I mean, that's okay. It's fine. It's part of life. Um, and that's where I'm at. I, I just want you guys to be successful. I'm going to be rooting hard for you all year. I still believe this is a basketball team with, with its best days ahead of it. I still believe. And by the way, I should also note, today's loss, despite that stretch of a few minutes where they lost the lead with a lineup that many people took issue with, including myself, you know, there were other kids who really struggled today, um, including some that I've been very high on, who continue to struggle. I'm probably a little more forgiving because they're younger. They're not, you know, uh, fifth-year seniors. Like, if you are trying to build a program, I think that getting minutes for guys like that makes more sense than getting them for fifth-year guys who aren't going to be part of future plans. So I see at times a little bit of a, you know, it's a little bit contradictory to say that, you know, you're trying to build a program, but then not getting minutes to the guys who, who need it to develop in their careers. You know, I, I, but look, it's not just about your kids' minutes at all. Like, I, I've got other issues with this lineup. They, they, they've got to defend better, you know, and, and, you know, I just want to see them succeed. And I don't want tonight's stuff to, to be, to metastasize so much that it catches the eye of the broader sports world outside of kind of UMass Twitter and A10 Twitter and quickly becomes, you know, a grander spectacle than necessary. Um, we've seen a bit of a pattern of this from Frank in post-game remarks, and it's 
it does sometimes feel like he's almost baiting us into commenting. But I don't want to, you know, I would prefer to let cooler heads prevail because as a fan, first and foremost, I want success. And I recognize that some of that, um, that kind of post-game hullabaloo or just noise can, can become a distraction to an extent. And so I don't ever seek to um, promulgate it. You know, it's not my goal to just make this a bigger thing. At the same time, as someone who loves UMass basketball and loves to comment and talk about it with people on the internet, you can't ignore what you're seeing. And while there is context we don't see, it's okay to comment on patterns we do see. And if you want to talk about them or share, you know, in a more, like, nuanced, thoughtful way, then I would love for you to come on. We can have that conversation. Or you can just kind of, like, hit me on the, you know, with, with, the, with the thoughts on your own, and I'll try to share them as best I can because I understand, like, you have a version of events that is far more sophisticated than what I'm seeing. But fans are fans, and they don't have to apologize for that, especially when they're rooting for a program that is desperate for a winner and is com- and, and fought like hell. Fought like hell to get a guy of Frank's stature and pay a guy of Frank's stature. Part of that work is that when you do that, you are telling the world we take this seriously. And part of taking it seriously is having an engaged fan base. Now, too many of our fans still aren't showing up. There's, there's, you know, fuck that. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to, 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 to sort of say everything that any fan ever said was cool. No, of course not. That's not how the world works. But with the internet, you can choose to find anything. And everything on the internet is a tool. Social media is a tool. So when we hear coaches kind of with this simplistic thing of, you know, well, social media, da 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 it's so bad. Well, yeah, parts of social media are toxic, disgusting, grotesque, and all the rest. UMass Twitter, the rabid core of people who take time to go on the internet and comment on UMass basketball, for the most part, you know, they can be irrational, they can be unrealistic, but for the most part, these are not like, these are not the... These are not the problems of the internet. And there's a strong enough core within UMass Twitter that where people go way too over the top, there's a big base of people who say, whoa, pump the brakes, asshole. You know? So that's not your biggest problem right now. And us trying to, and, and, and us saying at times that the biggest problem is substitution patterns is also not the biggest problem. That's just the reality of fandom. And, you know, I was, I was joking yesterday, like, man, I'm watching, I'm listening to St. John's Twitter, they're like 12 and 6, just beat UConn, and their fans are like, fucking Mike, you know, uh, Anderson is done, it, it's just ruthless. And, you know, they weren't personal, they were just angry, they were, they were venting after a game. Life moves on. You know, say la vie. It's part of it. And, I think, if there is some attempt here, a broader public relations attempt, and I don't mean to speculate, but if there is a broader public relations attempt to kind of use the experience of fans saying things about your kid or other players as a kind of launching point to making a broader point about the toxicity of fans on the Internet, 
the, the, the broader point about toxicity of fans on the internet is real. There's a lot of shitheads on the internet. Like, no one would ever, no one would ever dispute that. But to suggest or even insinuate that there's this, like, high-level group of people, you know, on UMass Twitter or something that, that are doing that is just so far from the truth. And we'd be happy to just have you on to hear your piece. You know, like, if, if you have so much to say about them, just come and say it with them. Like, you say, you know, one-on-one, mono-on-mono, like, fine, let's talk. Like, I can't get up to Amherst every time I got a frustration. I can't, I can't drive 170 miles and skip work when I, you know, when I, when I think that, you know, you should have played a, a, a more athletic front line or whatever. I mean, like, it's not that big a deal. Um, and it's all love at the, in the end, really, like really. And I think that to take the rate, the, the frustration of fans and channel it into, uh, into a fight with fans, whether literally or figuratively, and, you know, some have suggested that it could be the former, it's just not needed. It's all love here. Let's win some basketball games. Let's see this team succeed. And let them know, at least for me, and I think most others, from the bottom of my heart, I'm rooting for their success. And if you look up my name on Twitter, you search it and look up love, and you look up hate, you're going to find more of the former, because I'm constantly talking about how much I love some of these kids' games. Rasul Diggins struggled for, you know, weeks, 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 months. And I was saying, just give him time. He's going to be good. He's going to be... I kept saying it. Like, and he's fucking doing it now. Um, I don't say that with everyone, but for the most part, I've been pretty overwhelmingly positive, even during some frustrating times, while still venting my frustrations about your lineups. And that's in part because you've asked the fan base to make their frustrations about you, not others. And if there is stuff out there that I don't know about, that I'm not seeing, that was sent in a DM to a kid, or and it's from a self-identified, like, serious UMass fan that's not just some guy who was mad about a gambling bed and has, a, you, know, a, you know, a Joe Schmo with 90 numbers after his name handle. If there's real stuff in that thing, I will personally lead efforts to eviscerate whomever that is publicly. Because that's wrong and not cool. We're on the same page there. But if it's one-off complaints about a kid playing too much, it's a tricky line, you know, and, I, and, and it's part of fandom. And I'm just saying, like, you've done a lot to, to share with the world how, how you as a coach and how other coaches see parts of the world, and that's cool. It's been enlightening. I, I, I don't happen to always think it's universal. I think a lot of coaches see the world in all sorts of ways. So it's a quirky, unique profession, like many professions. Sorry, let's get a little water um, but I'm just doing my part in as sort of a subtle a way and as loving a way to share where I and the sort of people, many of them, rabid UMass fans are coming from. Now, at times, I'll cop to the fact that, particularly with the narrative of your kid on the team, that's a hard situation. You know, you got to acknowledge it, no matter what. Even if he's the best player on the team, that's a hard situation. It's a little fraught. It always is when coaches have their kids on the team. No doubt. 
And I can understand why, obviously, that's deeply personal. No doubt. Um, that's, that's a tricky one. I get it. You know, it, it, it's, 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 um, it's going to raise questions, and people are going to say, you know, I've seen the word nepotism thrown around. Um, I happen to think it's actually mostly a function of, like, the offense you want to play and the experience he has in playing it. And, you know, whatever the reason, that's fine. But, you know, that's just a hard, that's a hard one. Um, and anyone who crosses a line, I'm going to try to condemn. You have my word. But um, I can't, you know what, I don't think it's crossing a line, just to get perfectly concrete here, to say that, you know, he shouldn't be in the game at a certain time. If they say, you know, he's a piece of shit, fuck them. Get lost. I got no time for that. But if they say he should be taken out, or they accuse you of, um, you know, being, uh, you know, favoring him or whatever, I think that's part of this business. And we can try to, and we should try to kind of clean up the margins of this stuff and, and kind, of, kind of get the worst offenders, you know, embarrassed and shamed a little bit. I think that can be a useful tool. But real-time, in-game commentary, that's part of life. And, you know, I, you know that's just how I see it. And I just want you to be successful. I really, really do. And I think we probably have slightly different conceptions of loyalty and, you know, airing of the grievances. And I want to be perfectly clear that, like, I think maybe I, we got off on, if we got off on the wrong foot because my, you know, I reached out right away, said I want to help you be successful, whatever. And if I ever made it seem as if I was kind of a certain type of blindly loyal fan, man, I wish I could be. I really do. It would probably have helped me in other, in other parts of my life to just not call it like I see it. But it ain't me. And, you know, it's just, it's just not my, it's just not who I am. I'm loving, I'm loyal in what I see as loyal ways, but I'm also like a call it like I see it guy. And I don't think that uh, calling it like I see it and being loving and loyal are uh, mutually uh, contradictory or whatever it is. Um, mutually exclusive. So that's me. I can't speak for anyone else. I don't know who you were going after today. Um, I think, you know, cooler heads prevail. Let's, like, take things down a notch. Maybe, like, contextualize your remarks. If you want to come on, we'd love that. We're rooting for you. We just want you mass to be great. You know, um, we've improved from last year. This is a tough swing. You know, we've, we've had frustrations with your subs. But that's that's true of any coach, and and uh, I don't think it's it's helpful long term to kind of go after those people who care so much. But I understand in the moment, you know, rage takes over and you say things, and I can forgive that. I get it. Let's just move forward. We're gonna keep rooting. We're gonna keep talking. Again, I can't actually speak for anyone else. I'm gonna keep rooting. I'm gonna keep talking. Uh, I hope. You know, we're not going to have a weird one-on-one -on -one at the end of the season. I, I don't know if you were talking about me. If you were, you know, we'll happy to happy to chat. Um, but I just want to get where I see this whole situation as, and I think that it's probably not helpful at this moment to kind of um, to kind of see to to read too much into the grander stuff. And I, you know, I think there's always like deeper rooted shit for fans and you know about the history of the program and there's everybody comes into these relationships between fan and coach 
with a lot of kind of historical baggage of their own, right? They've, they've related to SEC fans in his case. They've dealt with Big 12 fans. They've, you know, all, all of this, right? Like this is all, and, and, and on the other side, we've had coaches we've been frustrated with. We've had ADs who we, we've been, you know, there's, there's been so much that, that, is, that informs all of this. It's not just people's tweets, you know. And, um, you know, I think just understanding that, like, life is not totally black and white. We all come into it with our shit. We all have our worldview. And we're all just trying to see this program be a little bit better. And we all have our weird ways of accomplishing that. Uh, is is probably a helpful posture right now. So, you know, see at the A-10 tournament, everybody. See at some games the rest of the year. See on spaces. Um, Frank, we, we just want you to get it right here, and we're going we're gonna to keep, you know, talking our way through it on Twitter and, you know, trying to find the right line. And um, and we hope that you'll do the same. You know, just as you're taking shots at the fans, we're taking shots at you. It's a symbiotic relationship to some extent. And I, I recognize that some fans are like, well, fans, we're allowed to say whatever we want. It's kind of weird when coaches do. Because that is the usual dynamic. And some part of me kind of appreciates Frank, Frank for so bluntly being like, no, it's a two-way street. But even in my or other people's, you know, greatest criticisms, nobody ever said, like, you know, we're going to have some talks one-on-one. Like, no, we're not. Like, we're just going to talk, and you should too. <laughs> express your frustration. We express ours. doesn't need to come to anything more than that. It's all love, you know. Um, so I want to let people in um, who've, who've been, you know, here for a while and patient. And, um, but that's kind of where I'm at. I know a lot of people were kind of hitting me up and saying, like, you got to do a show tonight. And, like, I thought, you know, I took a – I took a um, – I took a, a ride on the exercise bike. I, I, I got a good sweat to get in the right head frame. And I watched the last episode of, uh, what's that show, um, with my wife just now, uh, right before it, the uh, White Lotus. Interesting ending. Good show. Um, and I just, like, was kind of thinking, like, what do I want to say tonight? Like, do I want to escalate this? Do I want to, like, use this as the moment to fucking pile on and, and make this a bigger thing? And it just wasn't in my heart. Like, maybe at some point I feel like, you know, harsher, but I just, that's not who, that's not what I feel. And I, I feel like I just want to make a peace offering if, and, and have you on and, and like, let you discuss this if you want. But, um, I'm not here to condemn, you know, just to, to rip you for some stray comments and in a presser. I mean, it's a little unusual. It's a little reactive, but you know, everybody's got their quirks. God knows I do, and so let he who has no flaws cast the first stone or whatever the line is. Um, and so, you know, just rooting for you, having a rational love of UMass basketball, and that's pretty hard to shake. So I, I hope that um, we can continue here and, and, you know, get some wins on the board and bring us that fleeting joy that we, we – that, that is the – that is the underpinning of, of why, why our – you know, why we invest in this crazy thing called fandom. So, um, that's where I stand. Um, Josh, uh, Schreiber, uh, from, who's a broadcaster for the student radio station for the women's side, but obviously has, um, probably covered this team as well. Josh, what's up, man? 
Josh, you waited all that time and you're not you're not ready for the uh for the scorching take. You got to you got to talk, man. All right, Josh. Um that was your big moment. Uh one shining moment, not for Josh. Well, we've also got Josh Brown, the um fixture in the student section over the years. Um Josh Brown, what say you, man? Hey, can you hear me? Sure can, Josh. Okay. Yeah. About what you were saying, I agree because, no, the fans, I'm like, they are entitled to opinions. They are, you know, entitled to say, like, what they want, long as they're not crossing the line or anything. And really, what Frank did, that's completely not cool. That was not cool at all. And... I'm like, I forgive him for that. I'm not going to block him. I'm not going to take it personally. But I just hope, you know, Frank learned something from all this. And like you said, you know, you know, if he wants to, like, you know, come and talk, have one-on-one, I'm like, I mean, he's walking out of talk to me and have one-on-one because if he doesn't like what I say on TikTok or anything like that. Because, like, on TikTok earlier, I said, you know, the problem is, the rebounding. Josh, are you a TikTok creator now? What happened? I'm sorry. Are you a TikTok creator? That's a that's a breaking piece of news here. Well, yeah, I've been doing TikToks. I'm like, before I uploaded the TikTok earlier earlier tonight, my last two was about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Whoa. And I, and I did my first live stream about him on Instagram. And... That's, that must have been hard-hitting. I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I was going to say, that must have been hard-hitting. Your social commentary on, on uh, the great Dr. King. Yeah, because I was talking about how, how he um, changed the whole world, especially when it's... Especially when big, it's big if true. Close to the 60th anniversary of, of the Civil Rights Movement, as well as the March on Washington. Sure. And that's what I talked about in the live stream. But also... Like, if people don't, you know, like what I say, like on TikTok, you know, I can't care less. I'm like, if I said something, I might offend somebody. I'm like, yeah, please tell me. But if not, if you don't like it, it's either well, and or shut up. Sure. And Josh, you know, you and I disagreed on something recently, you know, and you were you were upset with me about it. But, you know, we got over it. Life moved on. Right. You remember that? Yeah, I pretty much. Yeah, I got over it moved on. Because, you know, it's never personal. It's never personal with me. No, never was. Never was. And really. And also, I can, like, like remind people that, you know, don't don't let Frank Martin's words get to them. Just, like, keep being fans. Keep rooting for UMass. Because, just like you said, we all want UMass to be successful. I'm like, I know we can be, you know, hard and yell things, but, you know... That's that's what fans do, and my coaches do the same thing. And like, as long as they're not, you know, putting hands on anybody, like which has happened before, because, you know, it's just like we want them to be successful. Now I know sometimes, like the thing with Jerry Sackhouse, if I have, a, if I, Josh, if you could just if you could just make one last point, I just want to let other people on and kind of continue what I was just saying, but. I don't want to veer too far off course, but if you could just kind of... Sorry. No, that's all right, buddy. Just give us your final your final take, pal. Yes. 
My final take is don't let Frank Mark Worth get to you. Just keep rooting for UMass basketball as well as other UMass teams. And go UMass. Josh, can yes, you? Yes, yes. I was just going to say, could you give us the patented Josh Brown sign off with the with? Can you just give it to us one more time? Don't let Frank Martin's worth get to you, and keep rooting for UMass basketball as well as all UMass teams. Go UMass. Yes, yes, yes. There it was. Only got three yeses, but you know we'll take it. We'll take it. The the signature Josh Brown sign off with the triple yes. Nobody does it better. Thank you, Josh, for joining us. I want to let in C. Deneen here in New York. Me. Of course, buddy. Good seeing you, pal. Um, C. Deneen in uh, Brooklyn, the great C. Deneen. Uh, what's up, brother? How's the little one? Dude, it's so growing so fast. It's wild. You know, we're uh, you know, approaching four, month four now. Yeah, you got so. some smiles. I do smiles. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, getting a few little chuckles out of him. But yeah, it's good. All, all good. I would be remiss if I didn't note that the great Andrew Callagy, former UMass basketball podcast host, just had a kid of his own. I think I mentioned it the other night, but shout out to, to Callagy. If we could throw some, uh, I don't want to put him on blast here, but if we could throw some 100s or some claps in the in the mentions, you know, that would give him, I hope, uh, you know, a, a dopamine hit as he's he's running on limited sleep. It could, couldn't hurt. Um, this, is the first, this is the first I'm hearing this. <laughs> we love a new dad, folks. Do we love, folks, do we love a new dad? <laughs> Look at the dopamine just pouring out right now. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. They gave him six more hours to go on. Um, hearts, hearts all over. I'm, I'm jacked up now. I will. Yeah. So what's up, man? No, I mean it's uh, it's it's kind of wild to uh, um, just read read the comments. It's kind of surreal. I uh, I uh, was DMing with um, known UMass Twitter. And known uh, Red Bull New York Twitter fan, uh, fellow member Eric Friedlander about you know at like the last press conference of the season, Gerhard Schruber, the manager there, really went after um, like our fans and like supporters on Twitter. Interesting. Um, if anything about if anything knows anything about our club, it's like we don't really have like people always make fun of us because of attendance and stuff like that. Um, so if you the joke is, like, if you go after the people on Twitter, you're going after, like, people will make fun of attendance. It's like, oh, look at attendance. And it's like, don't make fun of me about it. I'm at the fucking matches. Right, um, right. So, like, uh, I think it's hard for a lot of people to read what Frank said and just not take it personally. And I think especially you, too, especially for, for like, what you've done and just, you know, you having this basis and stuff, it's helped just, you know, reconnect me with um a lot of people and you know i don't want to touch too much into like what frank said but i do want to just say thank you for all of that because you know wednesday night i had an incredible night up at rose hill um watching the ladies just and i'm sorry i couldn't make it i was really bummed yeah no please but like the ladies just absolutely gutted it out in the second half um fordham had a absolute flamethrower that was just raining threes was one point off her career high yeah that girl from maine she was lights out yeah she's she's lights out and uh yeah good really really good player um they're just really fantastic it was great meeting sam and destiny and i think you cut out um can you 
Dude, I, I, lo- I think I lost you. Can you, you muted yourself probably by accident. Maybe the kid was waking up and the wife was coming in. No, nope, go ahead. You're unmuted. Corey was on a, I think it's Corey. Yeah, I think, wait, am I wrong on that? Um, well, C. Deneen, if you can come back, we would love to have you. If folks, can you just, can you hear me? Can you just give me a, like a emoji if you, yeah, okay. So it's his, it's his end. In the meantime, um, we'll let Caitlin Burns in, longtime UMass Twitter and UMass message board fixture. Um, but, um, but go. Okay, or, and Corey, if you're back, Cedanine, if you're back and you can hear and you can talk, go for it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I think my overriding emotion right now is just embarrassment. <laughs> Um, but, like, I don't know, I, I have kind of a unique, like, view on this because, like, I'm no stranger to, like, social media hate. Can I, um, wait, Caitlin, for those who are just joining, can I just give a little context yeah. on, like, I hate to do, you know, speak on your behalf, but I think for, for those who may not be familiar, Caitlin, yeah. um, as I've said before, I go back with Caitlin to when, uh, she was a dude, and that's a long time. Um, and she is a terrific writer and journalist who I think it's fair to say in some ways like really got your start in terms of your unique writing style in like message board feuds of the early aughts. Um, since you transitioned, you've become a tremendously uh, prominent voice on matter particularly not on just trans issues but on matters of trans issues in particular and given the virulence with which um the right wing in this country has taken on trans people more broadly you have been a absolute uh source of their rage at great length and there are times where you you called me out yesterday for not being harsh enough on tony dungy i wanted to dm you we'll talk about that later um but partly, you have experiences on the internet in particular. There is no one, like straight up, like you've been doxxed, you've been threatened, like the like real shit, not like, you know, your son shouldn't play type shit, like real heavy life shit. And um, I think you do bring a very, and you've become something of a public figure. And so I think you do bring a very unique perspective to this. And so I just wanted people to understand where that was coming, where, where, where that, you know, the origin story is there. Yeah. I mean, you basically summed it up. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've had more death threats than I can remember. Um, you know, all, all sorts of horrific things. I've been accused of actually abusing my kids, which I think is probably the hardest one, like even harder than the death threats is that, but like, I don't know, like, I, I look at this and I'm like, this is this is what the guy loses it on? Like, as a member of the media, like, I wouldn't be saying that stuff to the media about, like, people who tweet about you. <laughs> um, and, 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 and let's be clear, I am one of the people who has tweeted at the coach <laughs> about the situation. Um, I believe my last tweet, you can look it up. Uh, I'll let you be scrolling for a while because I tweet 
way too much. But my my last tweet uh, to him was after the last game, uh, the VCU game, and I'm like, look, like you're not doing your kid any favors by like just handing him all of these minutes and letting the fan base build up resentment towards his son. Like that's not fair to you know Brandon. <laughs> Um, Agree. And, and I come at that also. I come at that also as like the kid of a coach myself. Um, and I, my dad never coached me, but he was my phys ed teacher, and he tells me to this day that he was absolutely harder on me than he was anybody else in that class. Um, the only red party. Caitlin was a very good hooper back in her day, by the way. Just to be clear. <laughs> I mean, like a sectional finalist, a, a backup on a sectional finalist team. I was like a ninth man on that team. Let's be real. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but like the only red card my dad ever gave out in a 30-year you know, career uh, of teaching was to me for like mouthing off to him. So I have a little bit of perspective on the father you know, son coaching dynamic. And I just, I just completely disagree with how he's sort of handling this. Like I, I would be embarrassed if my dad was out there, like threatening to fight people who, who criticized him. And that, that's really all I wanted to say tonight. I appreciate that. I think that, that adds a, a touch of levity to, uh, to the evening and um, some, some healthy perspective. And you know, I think that one of the challenges for people who didn't grow up on the internet, so to speak, and, and I'm 37, so I can remember a pre-internet world, but for the most part, like, you know, the shitposting life has been, uh, you know, part of my, you know, side hustle for for a long time now in varying iterations. You know, you, you, the message boards of UMass back in the day, you know, gradually gave way to Twitter, like. I've been around the block a few times on this shit, right? And I think that, unfortunately, if you don't kind of aren't a little bit thoughtful about the internet, um, it, it can just, I mean, it's rotted my brain enough for sure. And I think for me, actually, like this outlet has been weirdly like an antidote to the rest of the internet for me. Like it's always been about the positive things that I think the internet could have been built on, right? Like people having good faith discussions and dialogue and disagreement. And at its best, sports fandom among people who care and are thoughtful can be a vehicle for that kind of exchange that is lacking elsewhere. So I guess sometimes like every once in a while, you know, I'll say something and somebody will come in my mentions and they're just like strident and, you know, super political and just immediately trying to sort of like start, you know, like this whole embrace debate, like, you know, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless culture or whatever, you know, or worse, you know, uh, you know, Breitbart or MSN, sorry, I know you write for MSNBC, but I do think like commenters sometimes on MSNBC can be the wor the sort of blue wave wine mom, you know, Twitter crowd, right? Uh, or, or the MAGA crowd or whatever, where there's just this like, they're not actually interested in having a discussion and having a good faith dialogue and learning in, and I, I try, I, I think at this point kind of purposefully, maybe it's a little annoying or smug of me. Like I'll, I'll cop to that, but of basically saying like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not, it's not interesting. I don't think anybody wants to listen to it. 
it's not authentic because you're not actually responding to anything. You're just, you don't, you're not listening. You're just going in with, you know, with your mind made up. And, and I think with fandom, the best of it is that it can make you actually see things with fresh eyes because you can't immediately say, well, you're this type of person or that type of person because you think uh, this about playing time. Like it doesn't say anything more about you, no matter what your ideology is, no matter what you think about tax policy or trans rights or whatever, you can watch a basketball game and say like, I saw it this way or I saw it that way. And I think sometimes Frank does this thing where he's sort of like, well, I'm a this type of coach. I'm an old school coach, whatever. And it's like, I don't really know what that actually means. I just want to watch the basketball games and, and comment and sort of like, you know, like it's not, it doesn't have to be more than that, right? But in that, there's actually a lot of value because I think, especially with programs like this where there's not a national eye and whatever, it's kind of like we get to just connect over a thing that, maybe isn't being talked about elsewhere. And so we're not, you know, we don't care about ratings and fucking, it's just like there is a community element to this. And I'm mindful that as the show has gotten more popular and as Frank has uh, come in with a national brand, some of that like uniqueness of like our fan community on the internet is going to erode. And frankly, the less relevant we are, like, the better off the program is doing because I, I think actually I didn't even mention this when I got that text from Frank earlier in the year. Um, what I said back was my goal for this account is for you guys to get so good. Basically my goal for you is for you guys to get so good that my account is irrelevant, that it's just one voice among you know, and that everybody, the core people who are currently on UMass Twitter, who kind of punch above their weight class as of now, because let's be honest, it's not like we're selling out the gym. So the people who are on Twitter feel a little bit like it's like an outsized presence and it makes it seem like there's, you know, maybe more overall engagement around the program. But like, we want to get so good that every person, like you, you can't even keep track of who's who, right? No one knows you know, like on Kentucky basketball Twitter, yeah, you're going to have like your three or four big names or whatever, but there's just so many people tweeting that you can't even, like if you look at what they were saying about Calipari and you just search fire Calipari, I mean, it's just too massive to even compute. There's hundreds and hundreds, you know what I mean? And so I think sometimes one-off comments in our space in the internet maybe actually feel a little bigger than they are in the grand scheme of things. Um, I don't really know how I got there, but I, I guess I just think like, um, yeah, I mean, we're not the problem and, uh, and I don't think we should stop because without this kind of presence, it's like, what are we, you know what I mean? Like part of the passion I think is just the overwhelming, like kind of attempt in whatever little way that fans can to will this program into greater relevance. If you don't say anything, or if you're just positive, the rest of the internet is sophisticated enough to know that like that's bullshit, right? And also that like you're not a real program. On some level, 
do, do you think there are people out there talking about, I mean, um, you know, talking about like, I don't know what, who's like, we got the guy who comes on from UVM. Who's great. He's an awesome dude. And that's a pretty legit program. He says he and like five others are the only people who even talk about the program on the internet. Like, and part of that, I do think like it's, that doesn't help them in recruiting. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't having no one saying shit is not helpful. And it's, it's like having people saying shit is actually a can. If you're so into the fan base and what they're saying, right? There's actually a very simple pivot you can make when you're recruiting kids to say, look at the intensity. Sometimes they go overboard and we, we hit, we condemn them because fuck that. But this is a group of people who really, really care, right? And that's cool. And you want to find kids that actually embrace that. So there's a way in which you can turn this into a positive. And I will say, I have been touched and flattered over the years by how many players um, and or, or now ex-players and player families jump in my DMs who I get to know. I mean, I don't want to get too into it because I don't want to put them on blast. But at the last game, I had multiple player parents being like, yo, say what's up, you know. And there, some of them are of kids that I've kind of, you know, not been an asshole about, but I've been like, yeah, he's not, he's not getting it done right now. I'm rooting for him. He's not getting it. I like, and it was all love. Cause I think they know like what I'm about. So I'm not, I'm not saying Frank's going after me or anything like that. I'm just saying like most of the people on here are pretty good people. I've met them, you know, the core people, like some of them are dorky. Some of them are kind of assholes or hardos or whatever their thing is like everybody's flawed, but listen, like you don't spend time on the internet talking about this program that's been bad for a while if you don't if you're not kind of like a authentically engaged person who gives a shit you know what i mean and there's a way in which we can flip this and just say yeah fuck the outliers who say like really personal shit about your son fuck them but everybody else is just fired up and yeah like you know what if i go overboard on a sub like every fucking game when i say you know, Tafara should play more, which I haven't said of late because I think he's struggled a bit in the last couple of games, and that's normal for a freshman. I hope that's not me condemning a player, you know. <laughs> but um, every time I'll get people being like, oh, you're just saying that. You're, you're so biased in favor of him and, like, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, noted. That's your perspective. I got you. Um, you know, I think he's going to be good. I think he should get minutes. Like, that's it. Like, people will crush me sometimes. This is like... You know, and I think that when you grew up on the Internet a little bit, as long as it's not, like, personal, you're kind of immune to it. It's just like, yeah, all right, that's part of the game. And sometimes you get real fucking cranks, but I don't elevate them. I don't even, like, there was a time on the Internet where I was probably, like, I would try, you know, I would try to, like, put them on blast. And sometimes I still do. It's not my best self, but I'll be, like, you know, try to embarrass someone for being an asshole. I've done that, you know. It's like, whatever. It's not my best moment. You get enraged. Your fucking blood pressure is going. You want, you know, you're fired up. It's like that happens. I get it. But I think as you navigate the internet a little more, it's like, eh, okay. Now, conversely, like I don't know the first thing about the subtleties of practice and playing time. And what I do to try to learn about that is, at this point, I'm blessed because through the coaching search process, I got to know 
a fuck ton of guys nationally. I'm under no illusions. Most of them just came into my DMs and started relationships in part because, you know, they wanted their name mentioned and like whatever. Now, but many of them I formed friendships with or relationships with or got to know a little bit. And, um, you know, I now try as best as possible to reach out to people on the things I don't know, to be a more responsible shit poster, if you will, right? Like that's kind of my mantra, responsible shit posting. And I try to ask people like, what am I missing here? What am I, cause you know, like, I, you know, I've played basketball through, you know, the 10th grade or whatever, but like, I don't, I'm not a fucking serious hooper. Like I'm not, I'm not I'm pretending to be, you know, like, but I do watch a lot of hoops have for many years and talk to a lot of people who live and breathe it and work in it. And most of the time, not always, what I say at this point, particularly about lineups, is at least somewhat informed by expert counsel, if you will, right? I don't just say it. And the other thing is, just as shit posting isn't brain surgery, neither is substitution patterns. You know, sometimes it's just like, and by the way, today, the lineup I wanted, you know, a different lineup to start the half, he did it, and I was thrilled, and it was fucking great. And they went on a quick run, and they got up one after being down seven and a half. So sometimes it's a little bit like I'm a believer in – I don't know how to drive a – build a culture inside that program or, you know, in terms of how to manage a practice. But, you know, I, like anybody else, I see things, I say things, and life moves on. So that's, again, you know, just – I don't want to seem like I'm being defensive because I don't feel that way. I just want to make it clear, like, where I think most of these people are coming from. And I think it's just it's sort of mean-spirited at times to feel like, you know, the, the people who love this program the most are somehow the problem. And by the way, like, there's a bunch of fucking assholes in our fan base. There's a bunch of unrealistic people for sure. But, like, you got to, like, allow for some of that. That's part of this this thing. And... I try to call them out, but, you know, like, you got to let people, it's like, this is free speech, you know, it's like, there's, you, you can't, you know, I mean, come on, like, there's, it's, it's, you know, so, I don't know, who else wants to jump in here? Um, I would love to get fans from other, I know there's a lot of fans from other fan bases here. I'd love to hear their experiences, because I know I got, I've been getting a tremendous amount of DMs tonight, because this is making a little bit of, not national news, but... Kind of, fuck, I just spilled a coffee on my kids' fucking books. That's not going to play well with the wife. Fuck. Um, that was not great. That was not a great look. Um, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I, I would love, you know, because I know other fan bases are seeing this. Like, I had a few people come in my DMs before who were, you know, kind of program guys, uh, I would say, who were just like, don't use this tonight to, like, you know, condemn Frank. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> like, I, I, I literally came with a peace offering. I want to just, I want it to get right. But the funny thing is, like, <laughs> it's just funny to be having this exchange because it's a little bit like if he's going to talk about Twitter and I'm on Twitter talking about UMass basketball, then I got to respond to him talking about Twitter, you know, just as he's responding to us. So there is a give and take here, you know, and it's kind of funny but I'm I'm all for one-on-one -on -one open dialogue. I just didn't think the time was, you know, you're in the middle of a season. Like, I didn't think you had the time. Like, listen, we you probably got fucking, you know, school-obligated things. You got to do coaches' shows and whatever. Like, 
we'll take any night. Like, it would be great for content. It'd be great for ratings. Like, believe me. And I think anybody who knows me knows I'm going to give you fair shake. So, you know, I don't want to make this a bigger thing, even though so many other people around the country are saying, you know, and I hope that this is not the start. You know, I really don't think, I really just don't want to make this into something bigger than it needs to be. Um, cause I just want the program to be successful. So, uh, Jesse, uh, up in the Berkshires, who's, uh, UMass Twitter guy, also a writer for the Berkshire Eagle under the great, with the, alongside the great Howard Herman. Uh, what's up, man? I'm such a not NFL guy. What's going on right now in the playoffs? Uh, it's the second game of Saturday's divisional round, so second round. I'm, I'm aware of that. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, Giants, like, I was fully expecting, like, if they were 500 this season, I would have been really happy. Cause it was just- no, no, I know their record. What's going on in the game? Give me the scores. This is like oh, the ticker. This is like, I, I just need a quick hitter. It's 38-7. Uh, the Giants are losing, I presume. All right. Yeah, it was 28-0 after the first half. <laughs> what about the other games? Uh, Chiefs won by 10, uh, and then tomorrow you'll get um, Bengals, Bills, and Cowboys, Niners. Uh, you know what's a funny thing before you continue? I just realized, and it gets to the point we've been talking about tonight. Here I'm sitting in New York City in my apartment on a Saturday night, watch the TV show with my wife. She went to bed. I'm doing spaces, talking about – a, you know, the 150th college basketball team in the country or whatever it is, as the New York Giants are playing a football game, and I'm not even halfway attuned to, like, what the fuck's going on. Some of that's New York City because people are from everywhere and blah, 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 but it's just, like, wild that we... It, what it speaks to is that if you're into a thing, you're going to be able to find other people who are into that thing on the Internet and pretty much ignore the the massive things going on around it and i think that point kind of speaks a little bit to this stuff with frank today where in the grand scheme of things the number of people who are saying like fucked up personal things about players on umass is beyond infinitesimally small and yet if you're searching for it on the internet there's a critical mass of people who are talking about it, and so you're going to find over the course of the season enough whack jobs that you can kind of prove any thesis. And one of my, like, abiding beliefs about the Internet is just if you if – you, and we all fall prey to this. It's the algorithms, right? Like, you search for it, and all of a sudden it's, 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 it dominates your life, so it's a catch-22. But you got to be mindful of just, like, the grand scheme of things. And I'm, I always try to be, like – you know, and I think tonight was one of those instances where this got a little bit of play outside of just us. And so I wanted to kind of just rein it in a little because, like, you know, I, I don't want this to become something that impacts uh, our season negatively. And, and uh, that's, yeah. So anyway, Jesse, keep going. I get all that, and, you know, I get where you were coming from when, when you started the spaces and, and the speech that you gave. Uh, you know, to me, because I kind of do play, since I'm at the Eagle and UMass is in our coverage area, I kind of bounce back and forth between just being an alum and a fan and then also having to be a reporter and be more impartial and objective. 
Um, and so, you know, like as a reporter, I'm never going to call for a coach's head or rarely going to call for a coach's head, stuff like that. Um, and as a fan, you know, I, I think like, yeah, you guys absolutely have the right to be mad at coaches and rotations and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's the point of being a fan. Like, you absolutely can do that. And like, should you give coaches time and be understanding and all that? Like, yeah. But you're also just allowed to be irrationally emotional. But also, like, here's the other thing I want to say. This idea that there's any serious portion of this fan base who said anything about, like, Frank calling for Frank's head in year one, I, I don't know who that is. I guess some people tonight are freaking out and, you know, they have some, some reason. But there's never been any faction of this fan base who, like, meaningfully wants that. It's like there's this weird notion, I think, that because Frank alludes to negativity that he sees, that therefore there must be this sizable chunk. All I hear from anyone is like, yeah, pretty much, you know, exceptions, right? But the overarching tone I can detect is, yeah, Frank's got it going. He got a really nice roster, or this is certainly the one I project. Frank's got it going. He's got a really nice roster and like he's playing the wrong lineups too much. And then some people are like, he's playing his kid way too fucking much. It pisses me off. Like, that's what some people say. Those, and, and you know, and they're like, and he's got some really good dudes. That's kind of, like, it's not that serious, right? Like, there's most, yeah, there's people who are impatient and get upset and fucking heckle. and Like, yeah, welcome to life. You know what I mean? But this idea that there's, like, a substantial portion of people who are, I really want to know, like, truly, because I always say on the show, there's nothing I enjoy more than being wrong about, like, something that leads to a good outcome for UMass basketball. So if you can find me substantial evidence of, like, threats or, like, you know, it, it, that, that, are, that are from, you know, kind of regular UMass Twitter fan types, tell me. I will fucking, like, bring the whatever limited power of Internet clout I have to fucking shame the shit out of them. And every year, by the way, there's people I block because they go too far on a kid or, you know, there was a guy, I forget his name, like, uh, you know, he was like talking about Rashawn Holloway's weight some years back. It was disgusting. Fuck that guy. Like, you know, and like, but this is not that, not what I've seen anyway. And if it's some person who's basically angry about a gambling bet or whatever, has no affiliation to UMass, that's a broader national story. Uh, you should take it up, by the way, with like, I saw Chris Caputo and Anthony Grant were talking about this today. Disgusting things where, you know, kids are getting DMs on Instagram from angry gamblers who are, you know, pissed about a bet. That's like a, a function of gambling and the pheno social phenomena that that is not of, of of fans of those. You know, maybe there's some crossover, but again, like fuck that person. And whenever it's outed, the whole internet goes after that person, right? Like the internet gets off on going after those people. Like it's like they feel good about themselves for condemning the biggest low lives on the internet. Like, but let's not conflate. I guess. What we do here and what other A10 fan bases do, St. Joe's fans go nuts about Billy Lang. The guy doesn't say anything about it. Like, you know, McCall was all, you know, and it's just like, it's cool, man. It's just part of what we do. It's all love. Um, I want to get. And on that. Yeah. On that note, like, to me, the biggest takeaway, and, you know, I don't know if all of what Joey posted was from just the post media from St. Joe's or if it's collected, but, like, 
what are you doing just going on Twitter that much, you know? It's like, why do you care that much? You're the head coach. You're getting paid $1.7 million. You've been in this industry for long enough. Like, you should know better than to get that worked up about fans being mad about your rotations or how, you know, how much time guys get. It's like, this isn't, you know, if it was, if he was 28 and if he was a first-time head coach and, you know, he grew up on social media more, I get that. It's like you're in your 50s. You, you, you're a head coach in the SEC, in the Big 12. Like, you should know how to handle this, you know? It's like, why is this the thing that, like, blows up? Yeah, and I think, like, there's this thing also with the Internet and that, like, Frank has a substantial um, social media following, right? And in part, that's because he's cultivated a pretty good brand of a certain sort, right? I, I, without, at the expense of oversimplifying, Frank has kind of this, um, like, if you look at who supports every tweet he says when he goes after somebody, it's a lot of guys who are, like, middle school, high school coaches who appreciate that they see him as this kind of, like, old school figure who's, like, tough and taking on the, the nerds of the Internet, right? That's kind of the, the, the mantra. Like, there's a little bit of a sense of, like, yeah, he's one of us, and you know, um, and, and they love that. Right. But fine, whatever. Like there's, you know, there's people, that's not my internet. Like, I don't find that terribly interesting. Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's kind of like, um, there's kind of like Frank's a pretty good, like one liner guy. And that plays with a certain crowd on the internet. So he's actually kind of popular on a certain slice of Twitter, but not with his own fans as much in part because he condemns them. But the thing is like, all the all see like and and that gets at this central tension I've alluded to earlier, which is that I think where Frank is in his career is that he sort of likes in a healthy way that he is um, a figure and a brand that transcends you know just like where he's coaching this second. He's a guy who talks about how to treat youth officials and he does these kind of like monologues and press conferences and he's got kind of a little bit of a brand right where he's but we as UMass fans it's not that we have any issue with that some probably love it some don't whatever it doesn't matter we just want to hear him talk about UMass shit because that's where he is right now we're paying him and we want the results and there's this tension I think at times between a seasoned vet who's got a little bit of an online brand and you know did some TV was pretty good and and, and the nature and the nitty gritty and the, just like the, the minutia of the day to day grind of a college basketball season. Part of which is the reality that the people who are paying attention to you most are your most hardcore fans. And therefore they're going to comment the most positive, negative or otherwise about the nature of your season and not really give a shit one way or the other about you know, your, your kind of overarching brand or your, your belief in what, you know, messages you want to teach kids. Not that any of those things are wrong or not great. It's just that that's not what UMass fans are here for, are here for. Likewise, Kentucky fans like Calipari. And it's interesting. Calipari is a towering figure in the sport. I want to get Danny on in a second, but he's a towering figure in the sport. Um, for a while became the, the one and done 
guru, right? And we want to get kids to the NBA. National championships are sort of secondary. He said this. I forget exactly how he phrased it. It was very interesting at the time. And I, as a fan of Calipari and an outsider, was like, that's kind of awesome. Like, I really actually respect it because he was sort of transcending the sport in some ways. But I remember, and now I'm thinking about this just as analogous to what we're going through, I remember UMass or uh, Kentucky fans, a subset of them being like kind of pissed off because they're like, yo, dude, we're paying you like 10 million bucks. Just win a fucking national title. Like talk about the NBA kids later, you know, and and they were and nobody was right or wrong. It's just that their agendas uh, were different to some extent. And so I think what I'm hoping and, and is that at least during the season in the throes of the, of the conference schedule, I've said it before, like, there's nothing I love more than when Frank is breaking down tape about the upcoming opponent, talking about guys on his team and really at a really granular level. He's still really good at that. Um, but talking about what people are saying on social media or, you know, these big pronouncements about, you know, um, just like his belief, something like, I, that's cool. Use social media for whatever you want. But like, you know, I think it's like, we just want to see a winner at UMass. We're pretty simple. You know, there's a, there's a real like primal thing here. It's just like fan wants wins. That's it. It's like, it's like the rest is kind of like, we'll do the talking about everything else. You know, that's like, that's what the fans do. So if you want to wrap it up, sorry, Jesse, I, I, I don't know how I, I got on that rant, but. No, yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the other thing I would say is um, to actually to, to quote you uh, with McCall, which is just like with, in regards to Frank, somebody just get him a little bit of an edible. Get him some, like, CBD iced tea, you know, and it's just he, he, he needs to just be able to take that edge off just a little bit, and he's great at making sure guys understand the, the gravity of situations and, and being able to dress kids down when they need to be but like tell them you love them tell them it's okay by the way i think i wanted to say i think frank does all that uh not the edible part but i think he (laughs) he actually is pretty fucking good off the court with kids i i I really and i've met him you know once or twice now and like he was lovely and i think he actually is quite capable of all that and does all that and that a lot of these kids probably are still riding with him because he is pretty cool in those in those contexts, you know what I mean? And like, that's cool. Like, I love that. Like, that's great to have. You know, I think his temperament on on the floor. By the way, never have you heard me condemn his on floor uh, theatrics, which at times, you know, I'm a little bit like, whoa. But I, I you know what? Like, that's who he is, and that's what he re- and people kind of know that when there's recruiting being recruited to him. So like that, everybody knew going in. So I've never, I don't think I've ever. I mean, if I have, you know, please call me out on it. But I, that's not really been an issue for me. And I don't really think most – there's some people who want to make – like, here's what happens with all this stuff. If you're not following it closely, it's very easy to just give the abridged version. And then people come up with bad abridged versions. So they'll say, oh, this is because, you know, Western Mass is, is full of, like, soft, you know, liberals or whatever. And Frank is old school. Not really. Like, no one's really pissed about, like, the barking or whatever. Like, that's not really, you know, actually, most of the complaints have been super specific about his lineups, which is very standard and not unique to the culture of of the place. Not at all. And maybe there's stuff I'm not seeing, but that's, like, a very simple and, and, like, 
sort of a, 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 a like it's a that's like a, a cop out, you know, that's not really going on. And, you know, or, or even people just be like old school, new school, whatever. Like, eh, yeah, some people say, like, you shouldn't play too bigs or, you know, like little things here and there. But a lot of people are like, you know, old school can still work. Just got to like sub guys. Right. Like there's not nearly very as, that I've seen. There's not a whole lot of that stuff. And so I'm very insistent upon kind of like making that clear because it's not about much more than just playing kids that people don't want to see playing, one of which happens to be your son and the inherently thorny questions that come with that or, or you know, come with him getting a lot of minutes. That's kind of it. Like, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't that complex. And I think sometimes, like, um, the outburst and the subsequent follow-up by fans, all it does is just make this into... So let me just say one other thing. Excuse me. Um, I, I said this earlier about the, the nature of the Internet and how things work and whatever. You know, everybody wants... There's, there's a lot of people out there who live off of culture war. They want to make everything into a fucking, like, you know, either right, left, or just, like, you know... Alpha, beta, soft, tough, like, you know, like hard, hardcore pussy femboy, whatever the fuck they want to do. Everybody wants to make things into like these grand narratives, you know, like, you know, godless heathens versus, you know, uh, pious, whatever. I mean, everybody does this with all sorts of things and they map their they're like any fucking scenario in the media because it gets clicks and it, and it, you know, drives engagement and it keeps us all hating each other. They get these, these, they take these things and they, they take things like coaching searches or, or whatever. And they map that onto these bigger culture war things or whatever. And I've heard some subset of people saying like, you know, the whole old school, new school and, you know, Amherst versus like, South Carolina, it's a different world. Like, all right, there's definitely some of that probably in the background or whatever. Sure, there's going to be, there's probably some girl, you know, barista with blue hair who finds Frank offense. Like, you can find anything if you look for it, right? Like, whatever. But 99% of what I'm seeing is just people with the most, whatever your fucking politics or culture or religion or whatever, just being like, yeah, I don't really get, like, why this dude's, like, playing certain kids. It's like, it ain't that big a deal. You know, and let's not pretend that everything has to be that big a deal or about, you know, old school and new school and, and these grand pronouncements about like the, the, you know, this era and these kids and kids these days. And like, nah, man, it's just fucking passionate fans. That's it. Um, so, yeah, uh, Danny, what's up, brother? Danny is a great fan of Rutgers um, and uh you know, I, I always root for Rutgers because I think there's a lot of similarities to UMass, and um, he also lives fairly close to me in New York. So, uh, and then does great work on Rutgers. He's worth a follow. Um, Danny, what's up, brother? Thanks, Sage. Appreciate that. What I'll say is, first of all, maybe coming from a program where the coach probably has a flip phone, uh, this is a little bit of a different take. But you know, <laughs> I, I think part of what these coaches need to do better in terms of bifurcating what they're very good at, which is working with their their athletes on, you know, improving their basketball game, becoming better on and off the court. Frank does that stuff well, you're right, from seeing him at other programs. There's no doubt the kids like playing for him. Uh, most, yeah, for sure. Most, right. The bigger issue right now is that part of Frank's job 
is to discuss with kids in private if they are having issues with digesting things they see on social media, how to do so. Him going to the podium and doing that, to me, is an incredibly childish approach to all this, and it's why for the first time I'm coming on to talk with you because I find it incredible that the coach wouldn't believe that a better way to go about addressing a social media lineup construction or what have you, or if he believes that someone's being a little too harsh about his son and the amount of minutes he's getting, is to go to the podium and do that. To me, it is so Mike Gundy and so ridiculous, and I didn't expect it, Frank. That, that's really what I wanted to bring up, and I felt in your case, you don't deserve any of this heat, and it's out of control. Yeah, and look, I don't know if it's directed at me. I don't want to. I don't want to insinuate that. But obviously, I know that I'm. I'm probably the most followed uh, UMass basketball specific account, and like I do do these shows, and so you know, I'm mindful that I'm probably you know included in that. And 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 I and again, like you know, the, the, for those who joined late, like the core point for me tonight is like I don't really want to raise the temperature. I want to just you know let him. Um, if he wants to come on, if you want to talk it out, like I, I just want what's best for the program, but I won't see the one thing I won't seed on. And so I'm not going to escalate some of you know, th- this and over make it a bigger narrative than it needs to be. The one thing I just won't do though, is like stop being passionate about the program. And sure. if that includes expressing frustration about the coach who has expressly told us, take your shots at me, not the players, then that's what I'm going to do. And once in a while, I will err and I will express frustration about a player. But it's like, you know, I'm really trying to make it not – I don't want to make that a bigger thing. So, yeah, But so systemically, like when you make a comment about Frank's game plan or whatever, some of the time, uh, and I would argue 50% of the time, it's going to be because of execution, right? So in, inherently you're going to have to bring up player performance at some point in time for a Division One athlete. 100%. And, I think every, and every D1 athlete gets that. Uh, even though they're 18 to 21 years old and they can't necessarily uh, take that in uh, with the same emotional construct as somebody our age. But or 24 I, in the case of the main culprit. Or 24 in the case of any senior at this point. That's a fair but point. But children. It's children we're worried about. Yeah, correct. Correct. 24-year-old children. <laughs> here, co- here come the haters. Yeah. <laughs> we kept it pretty yeah, sane. I mean, here come the haters. Yeah, and that's a, that's a fair point, right? Like, you know, uh, at Rutgers, Geo Baker and Ron Harper Jr. Were, could rent a car in the old days, you know? Um, so I, I think, you know, at this point, People like Frank, and, and I know you're not looking to raise the temperature, and I wouldn't even think about making that the case, but people like Frank have to realize that in this day and age, part of their job as a Division One college basketball coach is to find better ways to address this type of dialogue, and he didn't do it well here. Well said, and... Um... Yeah, I mean that's just really well said, Eric. What's and any time you want to come on and good luck to yeah. Rutgers. Who's Rutgers have tomorrow? You guys have a game tomorrow? Uh, the, last weekend off of the year, Tuesday, Penn State at the rack. Uh, I gotta get out there, man. I love the rack. By the way, I, they've done a good job with the rack, and like I'm glad you guys never, you know, blew that up. Like that's how college Rutgers is. It took a while to get good, but that is the that is how college basketball should look, in my opinion. So there are, there are rumors of an off-season renovation next year or the year after. 
Um, now, my understanding is the renovation won't, like, mess with the acoustics, and we're just talking about, like, adding a bathroom and some luxury boxes, but the, the, the rack is not going to materially change. I don't think you're going to see a blow-up into 10,000 seats or anything like that. You know, it's, it's 8,100, and it's perfect. It's perfect. It's just perfect, and I, it's a great place to watch a game, and it, it, it brings me so much joy to see them play well because there's a lot of similar institutional dynamics at play. Obviously, you guys have elevated yourselves with the Big Ten membership, but just in terms of, like, politics with the state university and, like, there's just a whole lot of similarity there, and it's, and you know, varying forms of dysfunction over the years. But, you know, the bottom line with Rutgers, which is so revealing, I think, in college basketball is that, Whatever institutional dynamics are at play, whatever dysfunction there is between the state legislature and the governor and the board of regents and this and that, when you get a guy like Steve Peichel, in your case, who can kind of just like take out the noise, get the kids in a room, get them locked in and fucking compete really hard. And I don't think Steve Peichel is like a master tactician. He's just he's just a fucking kid guy who gets kids to compete tremendously hard and is tremendously consistent. And, you know, you, you take a loss to UMass or somebody else, uh, UMass under McCall, mind you, and you just move, you just, <laughs> you, you just move forward and you fucking, you know, and like that is the, and there's a lot of things like Rutgers fans are fucking can get a little toxic on the internet, but you just right. keep it going. Like I remember some Rutgers fans last year after Rutgers lost to UMass at the buzzer, they were bummed, man. And I started picking their brains outside of the Mullen Center before I drove back to New York and they were like, there was a couple of them who were like literal friends of Peichel who were still like, I don't know if he's going to make it to next year. Like, like they were mad at him. And I looked at him. I was like, it's crazy if they were saying that. Last and I was like, are you fucking nuts? You're Rutgers. And you've just made like basically the second tournament in a row. Cause you know, the, the COVID year you would have made it. And, um, and, like, you lost the game because, like, Noah Fernandez hit a fucking incredible buzzer beater. And, like, it's like – but the point is, you know, I look at St. John's last night. And I, like, if you think – UMass fans are, like, some of the – like, first of all, there's only so many of us. And second of all, like, compared to these fan bases in the tri-state area – we are soft as shit, man. Uh, like, I can't tell you how. We, we hate the Seton Hall fan base as much as anybody, right? And they're, they're insane. It's insane how, like, they're, they're delusions of grandeur. Oh, insane. Like, insane. They are. Yeah. But, like, but, like, you know what? So what? That's part of the job. Shaheen Hall is making, like, two, two and a quarter, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks for coming on. Eric, did you want to did, did speak at greater length? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm... I'm not totally out on Frank, but he's definitely, like, losing me. And it's less to do about, like, the softness online and in the presser about, like, oh, fancy. I think he's very much a – he has that old-school kind of, like, if you're not with me, you're against me. And he tries – to he, like, weaponizes that a ton, which is just annoying in my opinion. But, like, I'm more concerned about, like, what he's actually – like, the coaching. Like, our out-of-timeouts have been awful all year. Our, like – there is no – what worries me is there's nothing clearly building, being built. I don't see, like, oh, he has this offense, and it just takes time for everyone to get in the right spots. Like, yeah, I hear him say that sometimes, but it's not like I see anything that looks like the sets are overly complicated or I see anything defensively that's like, oh, he has this really unique defense that, like, 
only a few people do, and it takes time for everyone to fill, figure out. Well, I mean, and if that was the case, like it's if if that was the case, it's revealing that we opened the year like on fire, you know? Yeah, like it's somewhat concerning that our defense has regressed a little bit. Like I like things early on that he still does, but it seems like people now know that he's going to do them. So like the element of surprise like oh going one three one out of the timeout everyone knows we're doing that now so it's not as impactful yeah yeah I, I do have like concerns about like has the game passed him by like that is something that is starting to concern me like and not from a human development standpoint or emotional intelligence strictly from a x and o basketball like can he get because it just seems like he's not getting the best out of what the players' talents are. Like, yeah, so look, these are like... Legit. For TJ to get open from three. So, like, yeah, so like, these are legitimate questions. I, it's always fair to ask... The, off the dribble, like, the create, instead of, like, playing him at the four and maybe running a open to get him open from three or trying to find, like, work the game to, to the strength of our players versus some rigid system. So these are fair questions for any coach, I think. And I'll just say this. Um, first of all, like, I still think Frank's got, got some gas in the tank. I really do, um, because we've seen it at points this year. And the reason I think I've, in particular, been caught up on subs is that I didn't really expect, like, when Frank came in, to some extent, I mean, I said it all offseason. I was like, you're not going to see, like, a Bob McKillop offense here. This is not, like, a guru on that end. And that's kind of partly why I don't really bitch about bad sets and the like, because I don't, Frank runs a perfectly adequate offense. It's, you know, it's like, it's not dynamic, but it's fine. Like, and I don't really get too caught up in that. Right. And, and, you know, I do think like the, the personnel he has is maybe at times not being fully maximized, but like, that's kind of often the case, you know, with, with coaches, I will say, um, and, and, and I should note, like, I think that, there's some things going on here like that go way beyond Frank. Like we've talked a lot about Frank's social media use and, 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 you know, the sun that there's things going on here that are, you know, like we're struggling in part because Noah Fernandez has been hurt for a while because it took Diggins a while to get it going. And now he's playing really well Um, because, you know, uh, we don't really have a consistent five man. Both, you know, both kids have been, you know, well, Wildens has been banged up a little bit. Um, we've gotten him some really nice performances out of him defensively. Conte has been solid offensively. But there's not been, like, tremendous consistency at the five, though, you know, though there has been some encouraging spots. So there's other stuff going on here. We don't have – we don't always have, like, a clear stopper on the perimeter, and, and some of those kids are coming in next year. So there's definitely things to be tweaked basketball-wise. And – it's funny because I went to like a, a Frank partisan before this. I'm always like just picking his brain because I know he's going to give me the Frank line a little. And he was like, people who's, he's like, the one thing I really hate is when people say the game's past Frank by or whatever. He's like, that's bullshit, whatever. And I'm like, um, all right, that's fair. Like, I'll, I'll take that point. But um, then if you don't say that, right, like, it's like, well, then we just have to express frustration about what he is doing. And I think that's where the substitution thing becomes – because, first of all, even if the game had passed him by, and to be clear, I don't think it has, it's almost like at that point, what the fuck else are you – that's not even worth talking about in year one because 
you got a five-year deal. So for me, as like a narrative or a subject, it's just like whatever. It's impossible to prove. It's like it's it's speculative, and you're and he's here for a while, and and that kind of probably does somewhat like you don't want your. I think there's something about like as a fan, I don't want to put that you know that vibe into the universe if I don't really feel it. And you can say whatever you want, but I don't really feel it at this point. But I will say that, so as a result, I focus on the things like as a fan that I feel like are are easily controlled by the coach. And all things considered, he's still got a lot of horses on this team. And he's got like, and he's shown that when the lineups, when he kind of gets the right combination of players, We've looked really good at times this year. And so I think for fans, the maddening thing and why fans end up focusing on the lineup piece is that they've actually seen concrete evidence of Frank playing quality lineups and just running teams off the floor. So, you know, at, in those moments... You can't say, well, the game's passed him by. You could say he's underachieving given the personnel. But, like, I don't know. He fucking got a bunch of dudes here. Before I make a statement like that, I got to see, like, if he, you know, if he doesn't retain any of them and <laughs> some of them come out and say, well, I left because this, that, and the other, fine, whatever. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But there's a lot of good kids on this roster. And I still believe that when Noah gets healthy, which is said to be fairly soon, I think. Um, and Diggins now coming on and becoming, I think, a little bit more of what we were hoping. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot of, there's a lot of basketball left to be played here. And I don't, I kind of wonder a little bit was today's episode, and I'd like to believe it was, was it motivated by, um, and I know I'm going off topic from your question, so I apologize, but there's just so much to discuss tonight. Was it at all, was it motivated, was there an intentionality to it? Was there, um, is this an attempt to kind of like create an us versus them mentality? Because a lot of coaches do like to kind of, um, for lack of a better term, like externalize uh, the, 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 the enemy, right? They want to create this kind of like us against the world mentality. And the, the reason I'm like sort of chuckling or like disputing that is because it's like I don't I don't think that the negativity out there and there is definitely negativity, no doubt, is is at all unique nationally. In fact, it's probably pretty toned down by comparison. So if your goal is to make Twitter the enemy, it's like, listen, half the fucking parents of the players are like on this spaces and hear me saying this or like hit me in my dms and are just cool people who want to like talk a little umass hoop it, it ain't that you know and by the way if i can be an enemy like listen come to me i'll be the heel we can talk and uh if it gets us you know an a10 title like i'll take that l you know what i mean but um i don't really think that's the issue I don't know if I addressed anything you said, Eric, but you got me going. Just you saying that is like. Say it again. These players, these players see like us saying like, "Oh, I think this guy should start. I think these guys should." Yes, no doubt. I wonder if it's him trying to like push back on the that kind of narrative and kind of talk around 
like you're a distraction to my team because a hundred percent they're demanding minutes because you guys say they should get minutes a hundred percent that is a is a dynamic one hundred percent and frankly there's an argument to be made and some are going to say I'm crazy for making it that because our fan base isn't that big and is like reasonably fair compared to some fan bases. And because we're all just like, no, this is on Frank, nobody else <laughs> that in many ways he wants to, it's a, he wants to take it and make it like more. He wants to make us see, you know, like we're almost too reasonable because we're just going after him. <laughs> and so that gets in the locker room and like, the parents are listening to these shows or whatever, and they're like, so, yeah, like, maybe maybe we are contributing to it, but it's not in the negative, very plausible, but it's not in the negative, like, hostile way toward kids sort of thing. Like, I think kids are kind of smart enough to be like, yeah, like, like especially like a TJ or a Noah or DeAndre who've been, like, seeing this for years. You know, they went through, like, real toxicity when Matt was here. Like, they fucking... That I, you know, I'm not a, pr- I'm not proud of that. I probably played some role in at times, but they like actually saw what like toxic could be, and so like this is fucking, you know, water under the bridge. Any, 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 you know what I mean? Like it's, and it's also like, listen, kids are not dumb. Like let's not, you know, yeah, like there's life lessons that kids need to learn, and there's a whole fuck ton of things they don't know, and there's things Frank can 100% teach them, but like kids aren't idiots. Like, they, they, you know, and they can... Yeah, this is less toxic and more just, like, general sports fan frustrated. Like, that's the level we're at. Which is right? almost frustrated like... sports fans because we are losing. For like, what it's worth, it's, it's really calm. as a coach, that's a little bit of a harder one to, like, use as a, as a teaching, as a teachable moment. Because it's like, if you find some shithead online who says something really toxic, you'd be like, listen to this, guys. This is what they think about you. Fuck them, ignore them, these are all assholes. If you have, like, a bunch of, like, you know, really engaged, super, like, in-the-weeds fans on here being, like, just because now we've got, like, the data folks who are, like, you know, and the kids are, like, just, like, looking at the analytics that fans are presenting, that's a little bit of a harder one. Because as a coach, I think you've got to be, you've got to make the critics appear eternally unreasonable because like that allows you in your locker room to be like, you know, it's us against the world, but actually the critics are your biggest supporters. So how do you, and it's, I mean, I, I wish I thought of this earlier. Cause this is a really smart point, Eric, that you, you, you sort of seeded to me. It's like, how do you deal with a fan base that in some ways, yeah, you got pockets that are shitty, but in some ways it's just like, nah, we just would like to see, um, you know, slight differences in how you, you know, do, do, um, you know, like, like what lineup you put out in the halftime. And by the way, in the interest of, in the interest of, hold on, Eric, in, in the interest of consistency, wait, hold on. In the interest of consistency, the moment that Frank mixed it up lineup wise today, I, I praised him because I just want them to be successful. Not only did I praise him, the team went on like a fucking 10, one run or whatever it was and, and took the lead. So it's like, it's like, wait a second. What if the fans have an insight? And I think the greater life lesson, Frank does ever listen to this, truly, or any player, anyone. Because I think Frank knows a whole lot of shit that I don't know. He's got a whole, 
The guy has life stories and has lived experiences that I will never fucking be able to imagine. He was a bouncer in Miami who was shot at. He has been through a whole lot of shit and knows a whole lot about life that my shitposting ass right now has no clue about. But another lesson is that insights can come from anywhere. And sometimes a really passionate fan who posts a chart or data point might actually be a source of value and help. And many of the great coaches I've gotten to know are true believers that like, you know, putting ego aside and being like, oh, fuck, that's really interesting. And you read stories about like, you know, Bob, Mc, uh, what's his name? Ben McCollum at Northwest Missouri State, D2 coach. The greatest D1 coaches literally go out to fucking bumfuck Missouri and pick his brain about how to design their offense. Does that mean he's better at coaching Duke or, or or not necessarily? Because there's a lot more to it than just, but it might mean that he has insights about the offense, right? And so I think the great lesson that I guess I would try to can can you know is like, and it's hard, man, because like sometimes people will be fucking teaching me a lesson, and I'm just like, I don't want to hear it. Fuck that. You're not in it every day. I get that. That's a natural impulse, but you know, it's also like. Oh, you know what? That's kind of interesting. And I try my very best to acknowledge when 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 he does the right thing. Because I'm not interested in fucking just negative. Be like, I, I actually don't want to be negative. Um, so, yeah. What, what, I, what I was going to say is that I could also live with, like, let's say our record was what it was if the losses didn't come in such a fashion they did. Like, it's hard to commit to watching the team when the product is not even entertaining. Like, year one McCall, we didn't win a lot, but at least it was kind of entertaining. There was some value, entertainment factor. Like, they played kind of a fun brand of basketball. Like, right now, we just it feels like every game is a slog of missed layups and awkward mid-range jump shots that don't go in. So it's like, it's just tough in general, like, watching that. Yeah, but I've watched a lot of Atlantic 10 basketball. Um, yeah, I hear you. I mean, like, look, I'm not going to, I'm never going to, like, tone police, you know? Like, you say what you want to say. I, I respect that. But I, I still think he's got some in the tank. I really still believe this team can, like, win a fuck ton of games this year. This is a bad A-10. We got a lot of talent. Noah's going to come back. And I'm just going to root my way through it, man. Because, like, here's the thing. This shit gets so stressful and whatever. And I'm glad we did this tonight because, you know, six months from now, it's going to be July. And it's going to be fucking 98 degrees. And everybody's going to be stuck inside with air conditioning. And we're going to be, like, speculating about, you know, some kid in the portal who's going to, you know, maybe average 6.5 points after coming in from you know, College of Charleston when Pat Kelsey leaves to go to Notre Dame or whatever. Just the most fucking nonsensical, meaningless shit. And I think some of the intensity of this moment, you have to remember, is that we're going through a hard stretch in league, man. And it's like the nature of college basketball fandom is such that you just get really caught up in it, you know? And it's like, it's... And I think probably the nature of Frank is that because he's so attuned to everything we're saying and whatever, like that just, it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like 
he says shit, we say shit, it's back and forth. And, and I think some of it is just understanding that like at the end of the day, this is the heat of the conference slate. Everybody's jacked up. You know, it's like, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt as I would hope he'd give our fans the benefit of the doubt, you know? And if he wants to come on and talk about it, like, let's do it, man. Like everybody, everybody who listens to me knows I'm, I'm going to give anybody a fair shake. Everybody, anybody who's a halfway honest person knows that. And I get it. Like, you know, we shit post and like, but like, I take that seriously enough at this point that like, I'm not going to, and I really wanted to take the temperature down tonight. Like I didn't want to use this as the turning point and fucking, and listen, like I've taken issue with Ryan Bamford a thousand times in his tenure and I've praised him a thousand times in his tenure. It's like really not as complicated. I think like, listen, just for me, cause like this is my show, I guess. I didn't like, I didn't get in this shit to like, you know, if I really wanted to do this at some other level or whatever, like I wouldn't be talking about, you know, substitution patterns in the Atlantic 10 at 1147. Like you can't fake that shit. I keep saying it, but like, really, like what else am I getting off it? Especially now where I've got a little juice about the coaching search thing. And like, I am becoming, you know, expanding a little and like, you know, it's fun. But at the end of the day, man, it's like, we just want you to be successful and we just want to be real. And if those two things are intention, yeah, like we work through it. You know what I mean? And like, if, if a fan is being a piece of shit, tell me. I'll, and it's a legitimately legitimate thing. Like, I'll blast them. I'm like, I'm happy to on behalf of, um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going, but it's just like, we're in the middle of it now. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be personal. It's a, it's a vehicle for, 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 for meeting people, for having fun, for rooting for a thing you've cared about for a long time. It's a community building venture. Like this is not, we are not the enemy, man. And, uh, I don't think you should apologize for it, but at the same time, you know, Frank's getting used to it. Give him a benefit of the doubt for a bit. And if he keeps doing this and is like clearly like, you know, like over the top at, at length, then we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But for now, I don't know. Um, I'm not out, just concerned. I got you. Totally reasonable. Um, Schneids, what's up, brother? What's up? Um, just one, I'll touch on Frank's comments quickly. I, I think that he, it's just like the, the gaslighting overall. Like, dude, we just want to win. And like 95% of UMass fans are from Boston, New York, Philly, those sports fans, like, you, this is not toxic, man. This is people just wanting to win, and that's it. But um, I went to Worcester Academy Brewster today at the Garden. Uh, it was a great game, and I was curious, like, where are we at right now? Where's Frank out with recruiting? Because it's always been through Kellogg. Actually, probably before Kellogg. It just never really seemed like we were tapping into the New England prep scene. It seems like there is a ton of talent right now in New England in the prep schools. So I was just wondering, like, how is he doing right now, recruiting wise? Um, so we've we've definitely tapped into the prep scene. Maybe not like at at the at the scale that some fans would like, but um, you know, I mean, like, I just like all the Woodstock kids, obviously under Bergeron, but then you know, even like um, John Bugs was a was a um, Putnam kid, and 
I mean, over the years, we've had a, a fuck ton of kids from Winchenden. And I mean, so, but I hear you at that, like, at that kind of like elite level. We do have a Brewster kid coming in next year, Sawyer Mayhew, who uh, is on the B team right now, is my understanding. Don't get too overly concerned about that because their A team is so far and away the best team in America. Like, they have like nine high major kids. Um, so, like, it's insane. Who won that game, by the way? I guess there's 14 D1 kids on the floor. Worcester Academy was up 10 at half, and they blew it, and uh, Brewster ended up winning by five. The kid that is going to uh, Providence, uh, what's his name? Kayvon Already or something? He, he didn't have the most points. Trey Norman was the leading scorer. But the kid going to Providence, just to me, like, looked – Really, really good. How is TJ Powers going to Duke from Worcester Academy? Uh, I will say this, that if TJ Powers looks like he did today, Boston College will be getting somebody in, in two years. Um, he had four points. Wow. But so, okay, just for context, so people understand, like, how good Brewster Academy is, a kid who's committed to Duke, who's a top 30 recruit in the country, scored four points against them. Like, I don't think people, people, like, I heard someone be like, oh, Sawyer Mayhew's not even on their A team. And I'm like, yeah, but their A team would, like, maybe beat UMass right now. Like, you know, it's yeah. like, um, Brewster's coach said that he thinks that this is the best team he's had in like 25 years. Yeah, no, they're like dynastic. I mean, it's like fucking insane. And, there's been some changes with John Carroll leaving at NMH and like, there's been just like some, uh, you know, different people leaving the prep scene. So like they've, there's been a little bit of a void and Brewster's just gotten a fuck ton of dudes. It's like bananas is my understanding. I don't follow it that closely, but um, yeah. So we got the kid Jaden. I can't pronounce his last name from rivers, which is more of like a Boston day school. He is like charts to being, you know, you never know with recruits. Um, he is like the consummate Frank Martin, like uh, great perimeter defender. He had like six steals today. He's like tough as shit. Not going to be like a dominant scorer, certainly in his first couple of years, but he's like going to be a solid piece that we've lacked, like kind of a six five tough guard who will just make games difficult for opponents, which we don't really have on this roster. Sawyer Mayhew out of um, Brewster uh, is – like 6'11", like can jump out of the gym, but is a little raw, and it, we'll see. Um, it, you know, he's he's from Massachusetts, like COVID shit with that whole class is like you never know. He's at Brewster now playing against the best kids in the country. Let's hope that helps. Uh, but I don't expect him to like come in next year and be like, a, you know, a 22-minute-a-game kid. Um, the kid, Robert. Reminds me of DeAndre a bit. Yeah, I could see that. Athletic, like. Yeah. Stretch for. High upside, but like who knows? It could take a bit. Um, and then uh, we have um, Robert Davis coming from who's like out in California playing now, I think, but he's from Baltimore. And like he's the one I'm most excited about in that class. He's you've probably seen him on Twitter. He's like super engaged. He can shoot the shit out of it. He played on an elite AAU team, so he had like weird numbers because he had like two top 10 kids. I may be getting some of the details wrong, but he's going to be really good and continues to be really good. And he, he was one of the most, the best three point shooters in the EYBL on like 200 per takes. He had like 200 attempts and he made like 48%. Right? Yeah, he's legit. And he's going to be a really nice piece, especially next year as like a kind of a six, five, six, six guard who can shoot it and defend. Um, he'll be a nice piece. And then they have the kid, um, 
sort of similar, like another sort of six four. Forget his name. Uh, oh, Mark, like he's from um, California. Marquise Worthy, Marquis Worthy, right? Um, and uh, he he could be really good. I've talked to my guy on the West Coast who follows this shit really closely, and he's like, that kid could be a really nice piece for you. He just gets downhill really fast. He's like a tough. I think he kind of plays the one. Um, but I, again, I don't see him like coming in and being like a, you know, there, there's no one in that class with a RJ Luis or Gapare upside. Um, but there's four solid pieces and then I think that's it. Right. Am I, am I missing anyone, Eric? That's it. That's it for now. Uh, there was like rumor, like there was a verbal commit of that, uh, kid from Middlesex magic. But he's a walk on. He's, he's a walk on. That was a walk-on thing? Yeah, okay. yeah, straight up walk-on. My understanding is he's his old man and Frank are tight, and he's pretty, you know, he's really decent, like, preferred walk-on type deal. Um, Castanera, okay, because we never got the national letter in 10, and everyone was like, why do we have, like, three, six, three guards committed? Yeah, yeah. Um, so so it'll be interesting, because he got four signed up. You only, only two are definitely leaving. And we don't know what's going to happen to Woodley's scholarship if he comes back or not. I hope he comes back. He's a nice piece. Um, so conceivably, we know, you know, either if Woodley's gone, then it means one person is also gone. Um, but but it means somebody has to go because um, only two are 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 are, are, half, are are will be done with their eligibility. And uh, you know, it's interesting with this class. I don't know a ton about it, but my, my understanding is like because of the portal now. There's a lot of like weird stuff going on in that teams just want to get old. Teams want to get old, and so they're 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 going into the portal. And what that what happens is that like a like that's how I think a kid like an R.J. Luis can fall to a UMass because in the pre-portal era he's like a one sort of between top 150, top 175 kid, and he hadn't committed really late. You know, um, that kind of kid usually would have been signed somewhere. You know. Um, but now with teams looking to go to the portal and get older, you know, some of those kids will fall to you. So you can get some special talent as freshmen, I think, still. And, and I'm sure some are unsigned. I don't follow recruiting, like, super closely. But, you know, we, we're making inroads into the New England prep scene for sure. Um, Frank understands its significance, which is good. He's, my understanding is he's formed some solid relationships in those places. Like, I've had no issue. And, you know, like, I've had no issue really with Frank's recruiting. I mean, especially with the portal and his connections and, you know, like cross went to Bruce Brewster Academy. Right. Um, uh, and was a top hundred kid out of high school. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Yeah. They had like a, they were doing like alumni on the, uh, Jumbotron and Matt Cross was on there and he actually got a pretty lot of ovation. Yeah. He's got some juice in the state. You know, he was a really look, Matt, listen, let's just be real here for a second. If they can retain the core of this roster, it's a big if in, in today's game. With Brandon Martin and Conte out next year, if you just take the rest of the team back and do nothing, just nothing, and bring in who they're bringing in, like, that's a fucking really good team. I don't care who's coaching or what you think of, of the coach. Like, that's a roster that's, like, really deep and talented. Now, we don't know. Like, is Wilden's back? Is Noah back? I mean, there, there's is TJ back? You know, there's a tremendous amount of question marks, and I don't really want to start speculating at this point. But there's a core here right now, and this is why I want to. I guess this is my 
uh, given, given that some people think he's, he's threatening to fight me, it's pretty peculiar that I'm probably mounting this aggressive defense of Frank. But I, <laughs> I will say um, the core pieces that are assembled right now, Luis, Gapare, the way Diggins has started to come on now, Noah, I mean, like, this is a a good fucking Diggins. Like, there's some fucking dudes on this roster that, with a little more time, you know, to continue getting better, like, look out, man. And that's part of the reason why, no matter how frustrated I get with this year or whatever, at times, and I actually don't even think I get that frustrated. I just get mad about certain lineups. It's like not that big a deal. Um, there's there's a lot to look forward to here, and I just keep reminding myself of that, despite you know harboring frustration at times about subs. Like honestly, at this point, it's kind of weird. Like as I've been thinking about it on the show, kind of the only thing I'm actually annoyed by is like Frank's social media, like. Yeah, like, I'm frustrated about certain coaching decisions, but we got some injuries, and, you know, whatever. It's Honestly, it's a social that kind of annoys me now that I think about it. Um, Well, one more thing I want to throw out there. For everybody that does get frustrated about social media, there is a Twitter account that you can throw all that frustration at and just be as toxic as you want, and it is at Pat. Kelsey, one word. <laughs> and you can just like say the craziest shit you want. Again, it's at Pat Kelsey, one word. The funniest thing would be like, would be like if. <laughs> what'd you say, Eric? That wouldn't even, that wouldn't even be fun. I thought he was going to say Charlie Molnar being the football guy that he is. The funniest thing would be, like, if we just redirected all our toxicity at making sure Pat Kelsey did not get hired for a big job this offseason. Um,. <laughs> but, like, I'm actually over that. That's the funny thing about it is, like, if you've been around a while, you would kind of think, like, you would realize that, listen, fans are kind of a fickle, impulsive, inattentive breed. You know, shit goes down, and, uh, you know, people get fired up. They fucking tweet something. You know, it's in the world, and then the next day, the sun rises. Like, that's the thing I think that's important to understand for all of us. And for Frank especially, he's like, yo, man, people are just out here posting, you know? It ain't that big a thing. Like, yeah, if somebody fucking takes a threat or, yeah, fuck them. Like, we will never forget them. We will make, we will haunt their mentions until, the, you know, the end of time if they take a real threat at a, at a player on UMass. But if a fan's, like, bitching about, you know, you playing your kid, like, eh, chances are the next morning, like, they're going to be, talking about the TV show they watched on Netflix. It, it ain't that big a deal. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, that's kind of the interesting thing is that Frank, a guy who grew up like in these intense circumstances and has this amazing backstory where he like overcame the odds, you know, was shot at as a bouncer in Miami, has like fucking been through some real deal shit that very few people on this planet have endured and overcome that he would get so offended about somebody being like, yo, take your kid out, you know, play, play, play another. Like, it's like, I mean, I get the loyalty, but it's like, you know, man, like you've been shot at. Like, these are fucking nerds on the Internet. Like, it ain't that big a thing. Um, 
And if it's personal, yeah, like, go after him. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Um, let's get this guy. I don't, I don't know this guy. Keith's Crazies. Um, he seems to be a UConn fan. I can't tell. What's up, man? I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm not. I just, uh, I don't know if it's, like, the seasonal thing, but the lack of light. But it's, it's just, the, UMass is, it's just, it's just been so downtrodden for a little bit. I mean, had high expectations for the hockey team, high expectations for the football team, you know, a little bit. But, you know, and then the basketball comes around and just like, I just feel like we're a cursed franchise right now. I don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, I just need some hope. I need a four-star recruit. I need, I need something. I mean, this hockey team is driving me. You out. got, you got the four-star recruit. He's just not always playing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. But it's just, it's, it's, I, I mean, it's just, it's just such a frustrating situation. And then, like, you know, I'm on Northeastern Twitter, and like these guys are have been talking at me for years about just like that we're ducking them all the time, and like. How does a school like, you know, Charleston be, eight, you know, number 18 in the nation, 19 wins in a row? Well, they hire a guy who walked away from our job for one thing. <laughs> yeah, no, for, for, for true, but it's just, it's just been so depressing. I mean, this last couple of losses over, you know, against UConn, just absolutely. So are you know, talking hockey you know, now? Terrible, demoralizing. I'm just saying the state of the, the state of the program, you know, not basketball you know, hockey and football. It's just been, I, I don't know how much more of this that I can take. Yeah. It's so interesting. You say that, like, I think that's the, there's this interesting thing. Like I'll take it till, you know, I mean, I, 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 I get all upset. Like tonight when people were like, I don't even know if Frank was talking to me, but people were like, yo, he's threatening you. I was like, ah, oh, man, maybe I got to, you know, take, take a while off. And then like two hours later, I was like, no, let's make a peace offering. Like I want Frank to be successful. I, I can't, it's just too embedded at this point. Like I can't, it's, it's just a sickness. I, I'm not going anywhere, but I do think like I have friends, my best friend, one of two best men in my wedding, you know, he's like a local guy at grew up in Western mass. He actually just moved back. And he was like, uh, you know, I would say like six weeks in, he just, he, you know, he's like, like follows you mass. He's just like, yeah, I can't do it, man. He's playing his kid too much. It just annoys me. Boom. Gone. And, like, I don't know if that's representative, but, like, uh, MTV Devin, for those of you who know him, who's been on this show a number of times, he said something similar. I was like, yo, are you coming to this game? And he's like, I'm not feeling it right now, man. I can't deal with the rotations. Just, like, these are not even guys who are, like, that active on Twitter or even one of the first guy I mentioned barely has one. So there's a subset of fans that, like, have been turned off already. And I think, fuck that. Like, come on. Like, you got to ride or die for a little while. But, you know, that's not fair to Frank, I don't think, because, look, he's in his first year, you know? He can't do anything about the past, and, like, I'm not going to condemn him for that. But it's not – but I don't – I do think it doesn't help to alienate the people who really give a shit about this because, like, yo, like, we're, we're just trying, man. Like, don't – like, you know, like, we just – like, don't, don't piss us off. Like, you know, we, we, want, we just want you to win, man. Like – why are you driving this away? There's a little bit of that. So, but don't go away, man. Keep rooting. Don't, don't, you know. And also, somebody said it in my mention tonight, which I thought was very perceptive. Like, we don't root for coaches. We root for the University of Massachusetts. And obviously, coaches are inextricably linked with the brand of their, of the, pro, of the, the university they lead. But at the end of the day, like, we've all been through Lapis. 
we've been through, you know, we've been through it. And it's like, you know, it's just we're going through it again. And this team can win a lot of games right now. So don't go away just yet is my, yeah. Um, Schneids, it sounds like you're raging. No, I'm not. I was just going to say that uh, with with all of this, it's it's people like this, like the fans are going to change UMass. UMass isn't going to change itself. And so, like, this, it does suck, but you just got to hang in there. Like, I, I still think that Frank Martin here overall, like everything for basketball, he could still be very successful here. He I do too. To, he just needs to lighten up. Like, let's just call Yeah, it's it. like not that hard. It's like... That's the thing, like, we're talking and talking and talking. It's just like, yo, man, like, take a little off, you know? Like, and if, if like, it just, there's this weird... Maybe also just don't intentionally open Twitter to see what people are saying angrily after you got blown out by 20 to VCU. Like, he literally said, I opened it to see what they were saying. Like, <laughs> maybe don't do that. <laughs> like, famous last words going online. There is a website, I'm not even going to say what it is, that is like vicious in its hatred of a number of things in life that I sometimes like hate look at. And it puts me in like a terrible headspace, which I'm not even going to tell you what it is. I'm just sick of all the fucking excuse making. I need a fucking win against UConn. You guys understand? We need to start. We have to start being a soft fan base, man. We got to call it what it is. We're in the fucking tank right now and we need to move up. It's time for people to start getting pissed off and demanding better. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're... We had enough of this soft fan base. We had like 900 people at Mullins this weekend. Absolutely ridiculous. We need to rally up, attend all the basketball games, attend all the football games, attend all the hockey games, or get the fuck out the way. I think the problem is... I don't hate it. it. But, you know, everyone you're talking to are the people attending them. That's the thing. Um, always good to have a new guest. Uh, thanks, Keefs. Um, why don't we let uh, David from um, VCU in uh, and let him talk for a bit? I, I appreciate that, man. I hung out with Trev. He came through. He's the best fucking dude. Came through to the VCU game. UMass Twitter fixture for sure. Right? Like, best fucking dude. It was so great to hang out with him. But also, I felt his pain, man. Like, like, you know, like, it's really frustrating. Like, we're, we're watching the same thing you guys are and asking the same questions, and it's... it's yeah, like... Weird it's weird because you guys, like, had some success before we did this year. You know what I mean? Like, you guys looked good before we did. We did, yeah. You know? And it was super weird because, like, we are like, oh, shit, like, we're fucked this year. Like, which means, you know what I mean? Appreciate you, brother. Good luck the rest of the way. Sounds like you guys got it rolling over there. And I mean, look, VCU and and to some extent in Dayton really are the envy of the league in terms of the program side. And I, I will say, like, 
Dayton fans, when they're frustrated, which they are, they're going through a lot of the similar stuff, similar stuff we are. I got to say, like, they, to some extent, have a bit more of a right to be mad because at scale, they support the fucking shit out of that program. And I want UMass fans to understand something. Like, we bitch and moan on Twitter, but, like, you got to buy tickets. You really do. Even if you don't use them, you got to just, like, because here's the thing. Like, to demand excellence, you have to support the program's excellently if that if that makes any sense and i was talking to someone about like vcu season tickets just to get in the building you've got to start with a i think it's what a minimum 500 dollars donation to get a season ticket can i tell you what what me and my my mom and stepfather pay no just tell me tell me again ten thousand dollars what we pay Ten thousand dollars for the right to buy tickets annually. Yes, no, no, not annually. Like every three years or something. For and, and how many? And where are those seats? Uh, our, our seats are fucking amazing. Like we're like mid core, you know. But like we pay crazy money, you know. And uh, UMass did that when when we were good, though. You had to buy season tickets to hockey basketball, women's basketball. Like, my dad had to buy season tickets to, like, three sports to get season tickets to UMass basketball. And he used to be at the cage. We're one of ten people at the cage before Calipari got there. And they were still like, yeah, buy all these things. Right. But, but we pay 10000 for four seats. And then we have to buy our tickets, too. Like, it's crazy. So, like, and, and by the way, like, I think everybody should be able to get into a game. I don't want to suggest that. But my point is, like, look, like, they fucking, they can really demand some shit for results because they're paying out the ass. And it's not like that's, like, University of Virginia where it's, like, old money preps. Like, that's, like, a real commitment. I don't think, David, you're making, I don't know what your salary is. You're not, like. No, no we're, we're, we're blue-collar folks. You know what I mean? Like, we like have that kind of they money. commit the fuck out of themselves to that program in a way that it deserves that level of success. And I'm saying for UMass fans, like, I now do, basically. Like, I joined the collective. I joined the court club. Like, the second I started making a little money, I did all that. And, like, everybody's at different places financially. Like, I'm not at all, you know. But, like, whatever you can do, you got to do. And that, that I always want to double down on because – I do think, like, <laughs> there's, like, everybody has the right to bitch and complain. That's part of it. That's normal. But, you know, you got to support, too. And 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 I and to be clear, most of the people bitching are our biggest supporters. Like, let's be clear. You're not even taking the time out of your day to complain if you're not pretty engaged to begin with. But, you know, like, you got to be, you got to be actually, you got to put your money where your mouth is. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And and I think in some ways, like that does entitle you to a bigger uh, to like complain a little louder. And I want to say if Frank gets this going to where I hope and think he can still, despite all my frustrations at times, if you are the first to like bitch and moan about, you know, a $50 increase in your tickets or a 75, whatever, $100 increase in your tickets to see a team that like, you know, is a tournament team. Like, that ain't cool either. If Frank was saying that, I'd kind of actually rock with him. I'd be like, yeah, dude, you need to, we need to step it up. We need to understand what winning is like at this level. I would actually be really cool with that. 
Like, because that's the legitimate complaint about UMass fans is that there's all these people who are kind of like passively engaged or whatever who bitch, you know, some people who bitch about it, some who don't, but they're not actually always showing up to the arena. And like those, it's weird that he's like actually been really forgiving of those people and like kind of applauded the fans when they do show up for the roadie game, but then taking shots at the Twitter base because it's like, you know what, man, end of the day. We're the only rider. We're the rider dies. You can't fuck with your rider dies, man. Like, but you kind of can because we're not going anywhere. We're hopelessly addicted. But just like, man, it's all love. Don't you know? But dude, like, we're we're actually dealing with it right now. Like, we're dealing with uh, their like everyone's like trying to figure out like you know what I mean they 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 cut short the amount of time that the, the VC was really dealing with it right now. Like they're. They're really fucking with the people that have been giving them money. Yeah, because basically you guys made a Final Four. You kept it going for a while. Then things got uh, went a little bit south, and they, you know, and there's like a little frustration. But the reality, yeah, I got you. We're so we're so pissed off, dude. We're so pissed off. You know, we love this team. We love this team, but we're really pissed off about what they're doing with like donations and money and. They cut short. We had four years. We donated our 10000 It was supposed to go for four years. They cut it short to two years, and then everyone got bad, and now they did three years. Like, we're, we're dealing with some shit that, y'all, you know, like, we're, we're really salty. Hey, Curio, who, the second this was, uh, the announcement was made that Frank got to hire, who was the one person who was like, no. He screams at 19-year-olds. You were, you were. All he does is screams at 19-year-olds. And you have every right to say whatever you want because you were always opposed to the hire. Yeah, big time. And this whole, like, we win or we lose by 30 is just, like, it's maddening. We lost by by six today, to be be clear. I knew they played today, but I just, like, I just didn't, I forgot the time. And all of a sudden I looked and I was like, of course you lost to St. Joseph's today because that's the game they lose. Like when they lose a game, you know they're going to lose. And not only are they going to lose, they're going to lose by 20. Well, they, they didn't lose by 20. They lost by six, but. Okay, but whatever. St. Joseph's sucks. St. Joseph's awful. They should have beat St. Joseph's by 20. Yeah, like Billy Lang has really struggled there, man. And by the way, <laughs> take a look at his name, like from the St. Joe's fan base and what they say about him. Granted, it's year four, but like. Uh, I don't see. I don't. I have not seen Billy Lang take any shots at that fan base on the internet. Like it's not. It's not. This is strange stuff. Um, and they. Well, honestly, I, I feel upset that that Martin hasn't blocked me yet on Twitter. Like I'm. I'm working on it. I'm trying my hardest. He still hasn't done it. I feel like so, my tweets don't go out. I don't know. But uh, it's it's just it's frustrating where people kind of started drinking the Kool Aid on this. And I'm fine with it. They're getting players. They look really good. When they look really good, they I know they they really do. Good. They got some pieces. They really do. That's kind of why I'm not. I'm I'm still like pretty pretty high on this group. They still have a lot of pieces, especially with Diggins getting good now. Like it's a that's a real key piece, especially with Noah having been hurt. To have Diggins becoming the Diggins, I think I was hoping and, and insisting he could become. Legit. Yeah, he's legit. He, he's gonna get better and better too. And I don't even think it's like Martin's fault that they lose by 20 against LaSalle or whoever they lose to, whatever it is. You know, like, I don't even know. But I know when they lost LaSalle, I was pretty upset about that. But it's just like, just stop screaming at people. Stop blocking people. Just 
dude, accept UMass and just this is what it is. You know what? What I what I was I was saying to the VCU fan who you guys were at the Final Four what ten fifteen years ago whatever it is I don't even remember twenty eleven yeah you, twelve years ago yeah but you guys are, are eleven you, you're yeah, going 12. through the same thing that we went through when we went to the Final Four no we're going and then what happened after really is what they're going through and then all of a sudden no one's there. And because they kicked all the real fans out. Yeah, so, that's a long story. Which like I, there's like a, we could do a whole episode on that. It's kind of not true. It's like overstated by some people who did indeed have their seats moved because the team got really good and money people came. But like they didn't really get kicked out. They got moved for four years when we were awesome, and then some of them are still resentful 25 years later. That's actually a problem. My dad is extremely. And the thing is, like, that's a problem. Like, by the way. No disrespect to your dad, good dude. But that mentality is actually much more of a problem than people bitching on Twitter. Because, like, people bitching on Twitter are still engaged in care. People who are mad that their seats got moved 25 years ago are, like, fighting, you know, like, the people that they found in Vietnam, like, 20 years later who were still fighting the war. Like, that one's over. Time to move on. But um, people who are passionate on the, on the modern Internet are, like, not the problem. They're actually an asset, and you can leverage them for good. Um, who's the people when, when a recruit – just, like, just to go back to this. When a recruit is, like, deciding between schools, uh, who are the people that are saying, hey, come to UMass? The same exact people who are bitching about lineups because they care. And to stifle the people who care – um, provided they're not being like super over the top and personal, this is not great strategy. Um, because part of building a program, and I've pretty much defended Frank most of the night, but part of building a program is engaging with those who care deeply about it and not alienating them. That's kind of like program building 101. And that might mean like taking some shots, absorbing some shots. And maybe that's how Frank sees this, that by sort of standing up for his guys, you know, this is his way of sort of like, you know, showing his kids loyalty. But overwhelmingly, the only thing fans take issue with is him at times, not even like him in general. Like it's such. Also, his suits don't fit. He has oversized suits. <laughs> I mean, look, I can't speak for everybody. I mean, everybody's got their fucking their qualms, you know. But uh, I do actually find it interesting. He wears like he mixes it up. He goes suit, then he'll go like just like um, like button down, like jacket. Like he he does. He's not. He's it's all over the map. Uh, so like his style of game can be very on point, and then it can be like it can be not on point. Um, his his suits sometimes make him look like the lead singer of Talking Heads. There was an assistant coach a couple of years ago, short, black guy, kind of fat. A Marlon Marlon Williamson. His suits were outrageous. They were so big. They were like the ni- early '90s uh, NBA draft suits. He was like five six, and his suits were like for a guy who was six. The funniest thing about Marlon Williamson, for those who've been watching UMass hoops for a while is that he was a Detroit dude, super connected in Detroit. <laughs> so he comes to work for Kellogg, and the promise of Marlon Williamson was that he could get you kids in Detroit. Famous AAU market, Chris Weber, out of the, a bunch of fucking players out of Detroit over the years. 
So he comes to Detroit. He was the AAU coach for a kid named E.C. Matthews. Don't make the joke yet for me. <laughs> E.C. Matthews is like a, a top 80 recruit. Really good, but maybe you get a chance. Sometimes in Atlantic 10 school, we'll pull a kid like that, right? Lefty shooter. Reminded me a little bit of Michael Red. Had a real nice game in high school. Just a fucking good-ass player. Marlon Williamson, runs, if memory serves, runs the AAU program that E.C. Matthews is a part of. He also has, like, the number three recruit in the country that year. He goes to Kentucky, I think. I forget who it was. All of a sudden, they, they get Marlon Williamson. You're like, damn, we're going to get E.C. Matthews. Like, this kid's going to be, like, a dominant force. Like, he's going to really, you know, like, he's going to be a serious piece for a potential NCAA tournament-type run. The motherfucker <laughs> promptly commits to the University of motherfucking Rhode Island. <laughs> under talked about this uh, two who, months ago. Who was garbage. He went off about this. Who was Rhode Island. Who was garbage at the time. They weren't even good. And we hired, like, this AAU coach under the assumption that he had dudes in Detroit. And the one dude went to our arch rival who wasn't even good at the time. I was like, yo. This cannot be fucking serious. Any worse. Like, you imagine this. It's like you're trying to get a kid. The kid's got offers from, like, power fives and all that. And then this AAU coach comes to UMass. He's like, all right, well, at least we're in the mix here, you know? And he goes to Rhodey. Like, oh, man. Uh, and then leads them to the tournament, like, two years in a row. And is, like, burying, like, 28-footers against, like, Trey, Trey Young and, like, winning the game. You know? It was – it was just. Curry, I'm sorry. Before I before I leave, I gotta go. Um, but uh, I missed out on the Worcester Worcester Academy game tonight. I was supposed to go, but I got booked for a show. Oh, because our uh, mutual uh, friend's kid is on that team, right? Kid. Yeah. Mike Oliver's kid is a sophomore on Worcester Academy varsity. Yeah, he doesn't get run though, right? He he doesn't play. Apparently, I talked to Linkowski about it. He doesn't play that much now, but like next year, he will play. Got it. Well, yeah, thanks for the length shout out. We'll uh, we'll we'll try to cut that out in the edit. Oh, all right. Um. All right, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Hey, have a great night, everybody. Peace. Um. All right. I uh. I don't know if I got any more in my tank, but uh, it was great doing this. Therapeutic as always. Rooting hard for Frank. Just want the team to be successful. Trying to take down the temperature a little bit. If he wants to come on and talk and express his frustrations with me or any parts of the fan base, I would happily have him. Open invite. It's all love here. Let's keep getting back on track here, winning some basketball games and being mindful of how we speak about student athletes, but never apologize for passion. Never apologize for uh, taking shots at a coach's lineup. So I think that's all fair game. You know, say what you want to say, but don't be a dick about it. Um, and go UMass, man. Peace, everybody. Peace.